Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who is abroad in New Zealand. What's going on, John? Not much. Yeah, no? sorry, I don't have much to uh, to report. We missed last week. We Still did some gardening, which was great. So, what are you growing? Weeds. It's getting to spring. Not growing, having to de-weed, having to pull weeds up, which is a lot of work. <laughs> this is code, right? I imagine if we were in person, you'd just be winking a lot. No, there's no winking here. It's like actual weeds that have grown over the fall and winter, and now it's time to pull them up so you can get garden beds ready. Put some mulch yeah. down, right? Um, so that's what happens when you own a house. You gotta you gotta make it look nice, and no one's gonna do it for you. So, well, you can hire people to do it for you. you I they could. Gotta, oh, you know what? God, I was gonna, please, I was gonna please say believe something. me. About halfway through, I've I've thought about it, and I know what you're gonna say. And it was a it's a it's a group family effort to pull the weeds. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna chat you something because I want to say it really bad, but I but I don't want to say it out don't loud. Don't get in trouble now. Don't get in trouble. Uh, that's why I'm not gonna say it out loud. Uh, I'm just gonna send this your way, and then uh, and then you could take that for what it's worth. <laughs> it's not what I thought you were gonna say, and the answer is no. Um, yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I look, I'll I'll, I'll say what you said. <laughs> it's like it is offensive, right? No, is it? Is it uh, I don't know if it's offensive. I mean, look, I think it's, and I think it depends on where you are. I mean, it's specifically of being able to hire, you know, hire cheap labor. Yeah, right. And there's not as much cheap labor here because people get paid minimum wage. Minimum wage is like twenty one bucks. It's like high. Um, I think it's twenty. It's like nineteen or twenty bucks. So it's a little harder. You can't pick up a couple of fellas from Home Depot. And pay them yep. fifty bucks for doing work that should charge you about six hundred. Yeah. Okay. So that that's off the table. Yeah. So that's off the table. Couldn't do that. There's no, no one hanging outside of Bunnings Warehouse, um, which is the hardware store here. I was no going to say I don't, I don't know what that saying, is. Hey, man, you got any work for me today? And uh, I'll come over to your house and pick some weed. So uh, that doesn't happen here. But um, who is who is Bunning? Is that a guy? Who's Bunning? Okay. Bunnings is a yeah. is, it's an Australian company. It's an Australian hardware company. Oh. That's, that's here in New Zealand. So B U N I N G S. Bunnings Warehouse. It's where it's the Home Depot of New Zealand and Australia. And there's Miter Tin, and Miter Tin is basically the Lowe's. How do you expect anybody to take this shit seriously? <laughs> this, these made up companies, <laughs> these made up names. Like this is crazy. This is this doesn't sound like a place you're gonna get stuff done. The Home Depot sounds like a place. It like you could picture what a Home Depot looks like. Just by the logo and by the name alone, you know exactly what it is. Bunning, Bunnings, what? Bunnings, what? Is Bunnings Warehouse. Bunnings. Bunnings B-U-N-N-I-N-G-S. Warehouse. Bunnings. I'm trying to figure out. So it was started by Arthur that, and Robert Bunning. They left London to settle in Perth and soon gained the government building contract, which led to a founding of a group of building companies, which later became Bunning Bros. Pty Limited. That sounds like and then the they started warehouse doing a bunch that, of stuff uh, in Australia. So that sounds like the warehouse that Axel Foley would uh, would be raiding <laughs> in Beverly Hills Cop Part One. Just saying, that's that's what I think of when I think Bunnings Warehouse. And Bunnings I is known for their sausage sizzles and do-it-yourself workshops. But you wonder what a sausage sizzle is, aren't you? You know what? <laughs> I d- I do. I do. I, I do want to know what that is. What is that? So, so you know how we have hot dogs in America? <laughs> I know it's sausages. <laughs> and, but but I'm, I'm trying to get to it. Sure. But do you know how we have, like, sometimes you go to, does, it, does this happen in America? I've been here so long. I remember, like, do, is there are people outside of Home Depot slinging hot dogs on, like, a Saturday morning. Not legally. <laughs> <laughs> or, is, or is that a euphemism for something else? 
Um, you can take it however you want it. That's fine. So the sausage sizzle is basically every Saturday and Sunday, there's some charity outside of a hardware store basically giving you a sausage that's put in a piece of white bread. Not even a bun. Just a piece of oh, white bread. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, sometimes this place is great because it does sound like it's made up. <laughs> it sounds, and this happens in Australia and New Zealand. And this is just kind of what it is, right? Like if you go to Bunnings oh, on a Saturday so or a Sunday. Oh, this is so sad. It's just, it, it, it's a struggle version of a hot dog in America. And that's what I wanted to say, right? This is what you do. Oh. This, this, and I'm going to say this. This is what you do when you can't, when you don't have hot dog buns, right? Like hot no, dog buns this are this is. Hot dog this buns is, are a privilege, right? White bread is no. not a privilege. A piece of Wonder Bread is not a privilege. You can get a loaf of Wonder Bread for 99 cents, right? Where a bag, a hot dog bun, a bag of buns is what? Four bucks? I don't. I, look, this is, this is what happens <laughs> when you can't get the queen off your money. This is what happens. This is what happens. This is the exact result of that. This is sad. You show me. <laughs> You show me this picture of a sad hot dog and onions on on a piece of white bread. Are you okay? I did it. That's that's I what finally I did it. It's the same thing. It's just like this. This is this. This looks like a struggle hot dog. It looks like where's the this bun? This is awful. This is. But again, awful. it's one of the this most is... popular things of a Saturday morning of getting a sausage sizzle. I've never I've never had one because by the time I was Holy aware of this, shit. I wasn't eating meat. So Dude, I've never had a sausage I... sizzle. I'm but gonna it, again. It's just the fact that it's not in a bun and it's like on a piece of white bread. I know. Like, do you guys not bun. have? Yeah, you We've need got to get hot Martin's dogs buns. We've got you have Martin's potato buns. rolls over there. Does is Martin International? No, we do not have Martin's oh my potato God. rolls. You, those you are New magical. York. You New York elite. It's not just New York. They got <laughs> East <everywhere>. Coast elite. <laughs> That's definitely not just an East Coast thing. I'm sure it is Martin potato rolls. I've never heard of Martin potato rolls. That is totally an an an, an, an East Coast thing. Has Where R and D foods? Where do you go? Um, what's your go to uh, like hot dog and hamburger bun when you're when you're going to shop? Like if you were in Detroit, you're asking the wrong guy because again, like the struggle hot dog is real. Getting a slice of white bread and folding it over <laughs> your your hot dog has been done in my life. But that's yeah. also when you're like, man, I don't, oh, man, like, you know, you get a package of hot dogs. And that was the thing in the States, right? Most hot dog buns come in, what, a package of eight? Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah. And most hot dogs come in a package of what, six? Ten, right? That's the whole thing. It it's 10? like that conundrum. Yeah, it's like oh, it's, ten, it's one or the other. Yeah. It's either six or ten. So what do you do with yeah, the last way, two hot dogs? Do you buy another bag of buns or do you just take that piece of white bread and fold it in half? Or do you put two hot dogs in one bun like a crazy man? Ooh, look at that. Double stuffed. Yeah, Martin yeah. started in 1955. I need to like, I, I worry that if I send you Martin's potato rolls, it'll change your it life. It started where, right? Somewhere in like, in, 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 in like Ho- Hojasak, New Jersey, right? Pennsylvania. Or some, or some, or, or some you know, some reappropriated, uh, yeah. Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I'm not surprised yep. by that at all. That Martin's famous potato rolls were found in Chambersburg. <laughs> like, get out of here with this. <laughs> yeah, I just want to find, like, within 100 miles, give me a zip code. Give me a zip code in Detroit. Uh, 48221. Okay, here we go. Surprise! I remember that. that is a, Look at that. Is it- they sell them. They got them in Texas. 
They don't have them in Detroit, but they're all no, over Texas. Yeah. yeah. But again, Texas is a big state, and there's a lot of people from uh, the East Coast that find their way to Florida, Texas, Arizona, or California. What? And they're like, give me, I need, they sell them at H-E-B, whatever that is. Look, yeah, they go, I'm they just go, saying. Hey, where's the where's the Martin Potato Rolls? And they do it like that in a real stereotypical accent, because that's how you guys all talk. I should be offended by this. <laughs> Look, whatever, man. You want to, you want to enjoy it. This is people get excited. Like we're going to the. I forgot the guy's name. Like we're going to the Bunnings name? to get a sausage. We're sister. going. We're going to the Bunning to get a sad sausage on white bread. Like this is this sausage. is what they do. Sausage. This is crazy. And there's like, what is there ketchup on this thing? Like I, this uh, is it's, awful. It's tomato sauce, right? Because ketchup is not a thing here, and it's 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 probably the thing. That is that when I first got here, it was the thing that made me that made me think, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I, the first time I tasted tomato sauce, it didn't have any vinegar or salt in there, and it tasted like like biting into a sweet tomato. It was yeah. one of the most disappointing moments of my life <laughs> because it's not ketchup. They are very different. But is now, it not even, how does it compare to like sugar-free ketchup, like all natural ketchup? Is it close bad. to that? It's just as bad. Yeah, it's just as bad. Okay. But now the problem is now I can't taste the difference. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, no. It terrifies me. <laughs> but the thing is, I've actually, I've kind of left ketchup behind. and yeah, now I, just, I don't eat much ketchup I, either. I just put hot sauce on things. That's that's good enough. No, so you like Hillary out. Clinton. You just have a hot bag of hot sauce, <laughs> a little container of hot, so- hot sauce in your pocket, right? You, you're down. Yeah, that's how I connect with the African American community. <laughs> always got a bottle of Frank's Red Hot in my pocket. I'm always ready to go. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That helps me. <sighs> that helps me reach out to the people and secure their votes. I know how to yeah. connect. Um, so yeah, well, this is, that. This you is learned depressing. a little bit about New Zealand culture. The sausage sizzle is a real thing. It's normally for charity. It's normally fundraising. Right? So if you got a so if you got a hockey team. Right or a baseball team or or a cricket team or a rugby team, there's a good chance that you've been at a sausage sizzle and that you've run it, one. This is like the so you walk around of... Bunnings with your sausage sizzle on a Saturday, looking for very expensive wood. <laughs> First time I had a churro was I was a kid in elementary school. I was with my friend Tim, not to be confused with Timmy. Not Shout that you out, would Tim. even know the Tim difference. Tim and Timmy. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, <laughs> what was there both? Was there a Tim and a Timmy? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were two separate people. Man, so, that's the most New Jersey thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Wasn't in New Jersey. This is in Rockland County, New York. So close enough. So I was at I was at a Costco with Tim and his and his parents. I don't know why, but he was like, "Hey, ask my dad if we could get two churros and a Coke." And I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> I said, what is that? Two churros and a Coke? And he's like, sure. And then I had a churro for the first time at a Costco. And Costco is just, if people internationally don't, are Costco's international? Uh, they're talking about bringing a Costco here. Um, but All I right, don't know if they be. are international yet. Costco is, if you want to eat for cheap, mm-hmm. go to Costco. Yeah. Well, Costco... They're not a store that you'd imagine a place where I'm going to get some fine dining, but it was a place where I tried a churro for the first time. I'd say it changed my life. life Could the Costco churro change your life? Well, just because I never knew what churros were. And then from that moment on, I did, and I loved them. I'm trying to think of what the best of what the best uh, Costco food item is. I'm trying to find out where that is. Can I see the menu, the Costco food menu? I don't remember eating anything at a Costco except for that churro. 
Well, they've got those giant ice cream bars as well, right? They've got the ice cream bar. So I'm looking at a... So this is cheap, right? You can get an all-beef hot dog and a 20-ounce soda for $1.50. Is it a Hebrew National hot dog? It's got to be Hebrew National. I'm sure it is. It's a quarter-pound hot dog, I believe is what this is. CostcoHotDog.com, the greatest hot dog ever. There you go. to the Costco hot dog. Yeah, you didn't know this, that like the the Costco hot dog is like the world-renowned... Like it's a cheap, right? Get a hot dog and a soda for a dollar fifty. Yeah. Well, let me explain something because I I went to um, so I'll get to it later. I saw I saw No Time to Die, right? The new Bond movie. Very excited. And I had a ten o'clock hockey game. Movie was at six. What do you do? I need to eat something. Usually, I eat about three hours before the game, something like that. Two to three hours before the game, something not so heavy, not too light. I was like, man, Slim Pickens at the movie theater. What did I get? Movie hot dog, all beef. Not awful. Could have been worse. How did you eat a movie hot? Did you eat it in the dark? What do you mean that I eat it in the dark? You could. Did you eat it in the still... dark? Did you well, I mean, eat it while you were like of... before the movie was starting? Like were you no, like I in the middle it, of Bond, the running around, jumping from a train, eating a hot dog? <laughs> oh no, that thing that thing was done before the previews ended. Yeah, yeah, that, that, no, that's what I'm asking. Like before, it was like full movie time. Were you still chewing on a hot dog? Yes, that's the problem with the gore with the with the gourmet movie theaters. This I'm going to say not this is gourmet. This not, is not yeah, a gourmet. No, 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 no. This was at an AMC. This is not like an Alamo. Someone's bringing it to you. This was yeah, I like, ordered it get, like, at the chicken, same place like, I got linguine. popcorn. Like I don't want to eat linguine when I'm watching. That's bomb. not. That's. I'm just <laughs> saying that was not this. This was very much a low frills. It came in a box. Okay, when they <laughs> gave me the hot dog, it came. It came in a cardboard box. Is there such All thing right. as a gourmet hot dog though? Like what would you consider oh, a gourmet hot yeah. dog? Is it the is it the does the hot dog and the bun need to be special or is it all the crap you put on top of it that makes it gourmet? Uh it's probably the stuff you put on top. Also how you cook it. Let me put it this way. No one's getting a boiled gourmet hot dog. That's not a thing. I refuse to acknowledge <laughs> it. Okay? Pink's hot dogs can go fuck themselves. Yes, a hundred percent. I am with you. If right. there's one thing now- <laughs> we will ever agree on on this podcast is how much we both hate Pink's hot dogs. I think that is the one thing we a hundred percent agree on. I-, I hate that place with a passion. Those hot dogs are gross. They're sick and the line is way too long. And I remember the first time I went to LA. Oh, we got to stand in line for pink. It was hot outside, and I'm standing in line for a freaking hot dog. And then you're biting the hot dog. It was gross. It was sick. So, no, I'm with you 100%. You have awakened anger in me that I've not felt in the last 10 years of how much I hate pink's hot dogs. I hate yeah. it. Okay. So, I think it comes down to how it's prepared, what's on it, and also like what kind of meat is being used in the hot Ooh, dog, right? So, I want to like, read I searched... something. I want to read something yeah. for you. The most expensive hot dog. Did you, was this was this what you searched? No, I just searched gourmet hot dogs. The most expensive hot dog is made in Seattle. Okay, it would. So be. this is from 2014. So this might be a little old, but I still want to read the ingredients in this hot dog. So. What does it take to make the world's most expensive hot dog? The entrepreneurs at Seattle's Tokyo Dog. Have you been to Tokyo Dog? Oh no, no. I've never. This I've only been to Seattle. I've been to Seattle once in my life. I did a work meeting there and then I left. So you missed out, right? So this is the Guinness yeah. World Record title for the 169 Unibon bratwurst topped with wagyu beef, foie gras, mm-hmm. shaved black truffles, and caviar. God, it sounds like assessment. They... Was that the ingredients list for the footlong Frank would make a Michelin star chef blush. Creators were truck co-owner Eugene Wu, Samson Kwong, and cocktail king Rocky Yeh. 
It's Y-E-H, so I'm going to say it's Rocky Yeh. So, to score the title, Tokyo Dog had to sell at least one hot dog in a legitimate business transaction. The creator sold six in a day, and the day it was offered at the Fremont Sunday Market, donating proceeds to the American Red Cross. So, yeah, that's a heck of a hot dog. You got frog, foie wagyu beef on a bratwurst with black truffles and caviar. That's too much. It's too much. I think it's too much. What do you think? Would you eat it? I, it sounds gross. No. Like, yeah. I don't need the caviar. I, yeah. Like the cav- caviar is one of those things that's just expensive for being expensive. Like, yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure that yeah. getting caviar is is like the process of trying to get like some rare random fish's eggs is like a lot, right? So don't get me wrong. I'm sure it's expensive, and I'm sure it takes a lot of work. But like the fact that I've got to eat this thing is like I don't want to eat it. I don't care how hard it is to get. It's gross. So yeah, yeah it's the like caviar is what made it. Yeah, the caviar is what made it not appealing to me personally. The texture thing is also kind of weird, right? It is. It's weird. Like it's a weird texture for um, for a hot dog, and then the truffles. Like, and looking at the way that this thing looks, it's just too much truffle. It's too much. Now I will say too- that the Tokyo dog is closed. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I that. went to the website. 2017. The Tokyo dog is dead. So uh, wow. yeah, someone else. Someone else has to claim the crown then. But I will say, like, everything dog. under it looks like they got it right. Like, it, the bun looks good. The dog looks good. Um, it's just all this other shit on top. Where it's like, I don't think you needed it. You could have stopped. You, you you went too far. You flew too close to the sun with your ridiculous hot dog. Yeah. Yeah, and it just I seems like one of those things that, like, someone just made up from Guinness, right? Like, Guinness World Records is a scam, right? Like, do we all agree on that? It, well, like, yeah, the because... Of Guinness World Records is a scam? Because I, I could be, like, world record for, like... A, a black guy in New Zealand talking on a podcast with someone from New York, and we've broken that record like a thousand times. Yeah, like yeah, definitely, you know, easily. Maybe we should do it. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should be like this old guy who's confirmed the ov- oldest living man, right, hundred and twelve. So they just give you a certificate that then you die and you give it to the next guy. <laughs> I'm curious, what's the difference between a hot dog and a like? When does a hot dog become a sausage? I think it's the I think it's the size of it, right? Or maybe it's it in it. I, I would say I'm a bigger fan, and this is probably growing up in the Midwest, of bratwurst. I'm a much bigger, I'll eat a bratwurst over a hot dog any day of the week. But the difference between bratwurst and sausage, those are very similar. They are very similar. But like a, a traditional German bratwurst is better than any old Frank's hot dog or, you know, hot dog you can get from a, from a ballpark stadium. So the bratwurst is always, there's something about the texture of a bratwurst. Um, it's a bit more bite to it. There's a website called askanydifference.com, and I'm looking at difference between hot dog and sausage with a table, okay? So the difference between hot dog and sausage is that hot dog consists of a sausage that is off of, no, 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 this is not helping me. I can't, (laughs) no. Not gonna. So so do you you want the history lesson version of this? I just want to know, like, what's the current version of it? Like, if someone says, I have, you want a hot dog, and then all of a sudden I get a sausage, then what happens? So most commonly, hot dogs are made with pork, beef, or chicken. Bratwurst is made with pork, beef, or veal, and the meat is technically is typically fresher. Brats are less finely grounded and have a coarser texture with heavier quality. Hot okay. dogs are skinnier, brats are thicker. But where does sausage fit in the mix, then? I feel like they're all sausages, right? It's sort of like they're all sausage, but you can have a breakfast sausage, a hot dog, a bratwurst. It's all sausage. Sausage is the casing, right? It's like the actual it's the it's the process of making this meat log 
is what a sausage is. It's the casing and pushing meat through a tube. Gross. Be my I hate assumption. That. I that's hate what it that. Is. I hate that explanation. That's what it is, though, right? I know that's sausage what it casing. is, but when you say it like that, I don't like yeah. it. Meat through a tube. Push, pushing meat through a tube. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. And so the bratwurst is just thicker meat, less ground. The word and hot dog and sausage meat. are often used interchangeably. The two food products are often placed side by side in retailer shops and share similarities in appearance, packaging, and serving. It is often hard to distinguish between the two. No, it isn't. Pretty sure they're usually labeled. <laughs> one's a hot dog, one's sausage. And I also, feel like you can eat a I feel like you can eat a bratwurst without a bun, right? Oh, well, you can eat a hot dog without a bun. Yeah, but it's not as good. Well, it depends on the bun. What if it's white bread? <laughs> <laughs> what if it's not a butt at all and it's a folded piece of wonder bread? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Hot dog, for instance, is correctly spelled. I don't care. H O T D O G. That's when I hit the. That's when I hit the eject button. Is when you're telling me how to spell hot dog. It's like you, <laughs> hot dog is spelled. I'm reading an article. I'm literally you. Literally, I just read the word hot dog, and oh. now you're telling me how to spell the word hot dog. This is not a good use of anybody's time. which really could be the new title of this podcast. Yeah. So, uh, Drew listener of the show, friend of ours. Um, he wrote us an essay. It was a very good essay, but it was an essay. It was a lot, is a lot to unpack. So so strap in. We're going to read it. I read feedback. This is no exception. Here it is. Buckle up. John, Jason. Hello, fellas. John, long time no talk. Miss you, buddy. Jay, whatever. I see you all the time. He's right. That's most people's feelings, isn't it? (laughs) About me or in general? About both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't talked to you in a while, and you, I see you all the time. Yeah, so whatever. Who cares? (laughs) If I have a problem with you, I'll tell you to your face. All right. So he wrote that and that. I just listened to the podcast from two weeks ago. He wrote this yesterday and we're recording this on Friday night. You remember the one where you talked about the U S and Australia's nuclear submarine deal. I can't sleep. And now that I'm awake and listening to this, I'm just bored enough to write you guys about it. LOL. I have many, many, many thoughts, but I'm going to brief. I'm going to be brief and focus on one point in particular you knew this was coming. He wrote that all in caps. Also, our definitions of brief are different. <laughs> Here we go. Jay. Well, the you page mentioned- read as well. It's going to take a while. I, yeah, well, what can you do? It's late. Jay, you mentioned that Crimson Tide, you falsely called it something else, like Crimson Seas. Crimson Seas, by the way, or Crimson Sea, I believe that was a video game on the uh, Xbox Crimson Sea. Yep, sure was. It was. There was two of them. What was the, what was the game that you were the fighter pilot on Nintendo 64, right? Wasn't that an N64 game? Uh, were you the Crimson fighter Skies? pilot? Crimson Skies. Crimson Skies. Yeah, that's something else. That was on Xbox. Xbox. That game was, was great. Crimson was a great Sea. Game. I would say was that was the lat- that was the last great fighter jet game. No, it depends what your definition of that is. It was well. Name me it, a, name me a more modern one, and I want to play it. Well, the Ace Combat series keeps going, and those are oh, still haven't, fun. Haven't heard about those. Well, that's really? Fun. There's like eight of them. Well, there you go. Well, I'm gonna go through and uh, and read because now I know. Oh, look at that latest re- latest uh, release was 2019. 
Huh. Yeah, pe- people like them. They're good. The co- the the stories are ridiculous, but the Crimson Crimson Skies was an amazing arcade. I'll say it's like the last great arcade style. Um, oh, I have a trailer for this thing. It's Fighter awesome. Jet game, I'm gonna but, play this but, game. I'm gonna buy Ace Combat Seven. I bet you it's cheap too. Continue reading while I look at this game. Yeah, okay, possibly cool. Crim- buy it. Crimson Sea, by the way, is a game by Koei. It was on Xbox in 2002. So my bad. Uh, by the way, in case you're wondering, Gene Hackman and Denzel were not in Crimson Sea, but they were in Crimson Tide. You're right. Shame on me. I should have known better. Anyway. Jay, you mentioned that Crimson Tide was the last time naval warfare was signif- was significant and the last and the last time submarines were a necessity. John, you mentioned that South Pacific theater in World War II, which I think was truly the last time our Navy was 110% necessary and one of the main reasons we saw Japan's eventual surrender. However, wrote that in caps, I would have to argue that this nuclear submarine deal is a very tactical and well thought out preventative measure to a potential war with China for, again, many reasons, but I'll stick to one of the most important ones, transportation. Flooding the South China Sea, Philippine Sea, East China Sea, and Indian Ocean with submarines is a surefire way to shield your military from a very serious threat China could pose. Don't think of submarines as particularly offensive. Think of them as defensive, too. Believe it or not, the U.S. is not all near China. Ha ha. Got it. Not at all near China. Ha ha. There you go. He wrote that correctly. His his grammar is very solid. There is is, for 7 a.m. It's very solid. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read this at 7 a.m. and did not understand anything. There are <laughs> there are only two ways to get there, plane or boat, unless you intend to cross the Bering Strait. Two thumbs down. Don't recommend. So we need tra- so we need to travel a great distance to get from A to B. Even if we're not intended to end up in China, we would need to get nearby. Australia, Japan, Philippines. Since our options are limited to plane or ship, that creates a supply issue. We need to be able to get large quantities of material and personnel across a vast distance. During World War One and Two, we used troop ships to do this very task. They could carry both personnel and material in large quantities. As of the 21st century, however, we mostly do transport by plane. The C-5M Super Galaxy, according to Lockheed Martin, can carry up to 281,000 pounds of cargo, a distance of about 5,500 statute miles or 4,800 nautical miles. Uh, What's a regular mile? Do you know? One mile. Like, what do you Compared mean? Compared to nautical miles? Is that the same I don't thing? Know. I don't know what the difference is. Let's see what nautical... I mean, it's it's leagues, right? How many leagues under the sea? All right, I'll finish so the Nautical miles are used to okay. measure the distance traveled through water. Nautical miles is slightly longer than a mile on land, equating to 1.1508 land measured or statute miles. So there you go. Uh, oh, okay. Got so it. Take so when, the, he, wrote so statute, take the, so when yes. he wrote statute miles, statute miles is like... Land normie, normie yes. miles, normie okay. miles, not not water, bo- not water, bro, <laughs> miles. Yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. There may there there are many different types of workhorse transport planes, but the, but many can only go short distances, like around two thousand nautical miles. To give you an idea, California to Hawaii is about two thousand five hundred miles, and then Hawaii to Japan is about four thousand one hundred miles. C five the C five M though can really make make great leaps with regards to distance with the most modern m1a2 tank specs weighing in at around 80 tons that means you can only place one tank on each c5m you'd still have one 120,000 pounds left over to carry other stuff but think you're 
but I think you're beginning to see the problem. We would be flying a lot of different planes and a lot of different routes to relocate troops and material to either China or a surrounding ally territory. With a large chunk of that distance being over water, the slow flying, about 500 miles per hour, C-5Ms are very vulnerable to SAMs, that's surface-to-air missiles. Now submarines aren't typically filled with SAMs, aren't typically fitted with SAMs, maybe on the rare occasion, but whatever. For, for argument's sake, subs don't have them. Surface ships, however, definitely do. If China had a half a brain, they would place several ships and submarines along the route to cripple our supply chain. The ships to shoot down the planes, the subs to stealthily protect and to protect said ships. Thus, our and Australia's submarines would be a necessary precaution to seek out and destroy any of those submarines and surface ships to keep our planes in the sky safe. Not to mention, too, besides transportation issues, we would also like to have aircraft carriers in the vicinity to help launch bombardments and clear the way for an invasion if that becomes a necessity. And aircraft carriers always need smaller warships for protection. Thus, you would have fleets going after fleets. So yeah, in brief, we need the Navy submarines to keep the waters free from hidden attackers on our transportation vessels. Uh, and then he, I'll just finish it off because I'm close to the end here. And Jay, you went dark to say that maybe the U.S. would would want a war with China to wipe its debt clean. We talk so much, I don't even remember saying that. Yeah, I remember I, you saying that. I totally that remember sounds, you saying that. I mean, it's not crazy, is it? Am I crazy? <laughs> anyway, uh, Trump would do it. I say you're wrong. I say if we're going to that dark place, the U.S. would like a war with China to invade and occupy. You don't have to worry about debt if you take over a country and run the factories yourself. Not only do you clear your debt, but you take control of the very thing that put you in debt manufacturing. Honestly, that was one of Hitler's main reasons for invading Poland first. They were mineral rich and he needed factories, space and production. And now that Hitler has come into the conversation, I'm calling it a night. Keep in mind, it's 7 a.m. This has been your 7 a.m. Drew talk, as he said, like TED Talks, but dumber, much dumber. All my best, you nerds, Drew. So there you go. There you go. Look, I thought that was pretty informative because, I mean, Very if, informative. Anything, it's, if, if anything, it's uh, you can hide stuff in the water that <laughs> you can't hide in the air. Yeah, Drew, I'm going to need to know how much of that was like top of mind versus you had to check, like you had to do some research on this. I'd like That's to imagine say, that you yeah. you bringing up all this stuff was like me knowing that Crimson Sea was a game on Xbox. <laughs> yeah. So now I will, I will say, as you read that, um, I also learned that none of the kids are playing Ace Combat anymore. It's all about Project Wingman. I don't, I don't know what that is. You don't know what Project? Wow, I found a game you don't know anything about. Oh, my yep. God. Yep. Wow. You've done it. Wow. I did it. Project <laughs> How Wingman. long has this taken? How many years? I finally named a game that you're just like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Normally, you yeah. know about every game. Here you go. Here's a video from my I've never heard of this. Oh, it came out uh, last year. Came out last year, December 1st, 2020. So this is new. And it's got great ratings. You don't know about this game. Wow. Nope. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm not really big into the... Uh, flight simulator genre still but i figured yeah, this, you would have been looks, on top of this this looks just like ace combat wow so yeah anyways uh this is the game to get apparently okay cool if you're gonna play on pc yeah i guess so go for it let me know how it is um i'll never play it but yeah cool uh well true <laughs> now you know for, about it now but know. now i know about it yeah now there's that's filling a void i'll probably forget about it tomorrow no, um you remember you remember everything um, about a game 
that's true. It's creepy <laughs> in that regard. I can't explain it. And it kind of freaks me out. Um, yeah, well, Drew, thanks for writing all that stuff. Um, I don't know if your intent was for us to read it in its entirety, but here we are. Look, if you uh, want to write yeah. comments at seven in the morning and for us to read them, just send them to us. Yeah. And just know that if you do send something my way, I'll probably read it. Yeah. Because that's content. That just fills time. That's good. But yeah, we learned something. There you go. And it sounds like even though you said you say I'm wrong, you basically wrote it. Didn't you didn't you just write a bunch of reasons why I'm prob why it's like there is an angle to do that thing, like what the benefit of is? Didn't he just write the rationale for he did doing but we said thing? I'm not our rationale it's, it's was a, wrong. Yeah, it's a bad idea. Like, but you wrote you went much deeper than I thought about being like, it's just like, hey, man, no bank, no debt. Right. Like that's and you basically said, no, it's more complicated than that. Here's why you really want to do it. It's like, oh, OK, got it. But maybe I'm misconstruing 7 a.m. Drew. Yeah, I haven't maybe. I haven't been around 7 a.m. Drew. I don't know what that's like might be frightening um but anyway thanks for that speaking of china i got one story that i do want to read about and then after that you could tell me about the the covid disaster that is ravaging yeah. new zealand yeah what has happened to new zealand and definitely not ravaging the united states we're out of it yeah exactly we, we i right mean you guys it. fixed it and we're and we just haven't we burst through that thing like kool-aid man through a wall so here we go I want to read this from Yahoo News. China to ban video games featuring same-sex relationships, effeminate men, and moral choices. The internal memo from recent inter internal training by the state-backed gaming association was revealed by the South China Morning Post lays out new restrictions for approving video games in China. According to the publication, the memo said that video games must not be viewed as pure entertainment and should instead convey a correct set of values. Games that feature queer relationships or effeminate males, the memo states, should not be approved for release in China. If regulators can't tell the character's gender immediately, the setting of the characters could be considered problematic and red flags will be raised, it added. But games that allow players to make moral choices between good and evil should also not be approved, according to the memo. Quote, some games have blurred moral boundaries, end quote, it said. Quote, players can choose to be either good or evil, but we don't think that games should be give should give players this choice. This must be altered. End quote. The memo comes as China increasingly regulates its gaming industry, with the government announcing in August that it would be limiting the amount of time minors can play online games to three hours per week. The leaked memo marks the latest move by China to crack down on the perceived decline of traditional masculinity. The last month, China announced that sissy, effeminate men would be banned being on TV, insisting broadcasters must only vigorously promote excellent Chinese traditional culture. The official instruction was issued to broadcasters in China as part of a national rejuvenation campaign by President Xi Jinping to enforce traditional morality by tightening government control of business and society. Government said broadcasters must re must quote resolutely put an end to sissy men and other abnormal aesthetics and quote on screen. What do you think? The problem with this is always what happens Just when one. that. <laughs> the big problem, even if you mm -hmm. say okay, great, right? We as a society want to deem that there's certain 
rules and things that we want portrayed in our media. Like, I, I don't agree with it, but fine, right? But in like six months, that might change. And so then everything that used to be legal is no longer legal. Yeah. And that's why you can't do this. I mean, look, you got to set some rules. And I mean, this is tough with media, right? Like, do you believe that it should just be as long as it's rated properly and as long as you know what's in it, that everything should be available, that everything should be able to be put in a game? Like, what's the line that we're deeming is appropriate content for a game, even if you correctly say... This is rated whatever because of whatever, right? Yeah. Are you asking me like, that question? There's got to be a line somewhere, right? Like you shouldn't put child pornography in a video game, right? I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. So is yeah. it just things that we deem legal that shouldn't be in games? Or can you put murder in a game, right? That's not legal, but you can go, you know, got plenty of games where you're killing people. Yeah. So it makes it um, tricky, right? It makes it tricky. I, I again like I, I I'm do I'm hmm. playing devil's advocate here as I do on most of the podcast episodes. It's a secret tip for you longtime listeners. <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's I don't necessarily disagree with China here to some degree, but it's hard to judge what that is. So my question is what is that what what you disagree with China is the fact that they're going to decide it in isolation and tell you however whichever way the wind blows what they think is morally right and what isn't. But I'm talking from greater society. What should and shouldn't be portrayed in our media if we're looking at things that are against the law or things that we just feel icky about? Yeah, I guess it's an interesting point when you bring that up about because I don't have a good answer for you. And and neither do I, honestly. Like I'm asking not because I've got it all figured out. It's really tough, I think. I don't think there's a clear cut way of of. Trying to like again, we've got plenty of murder mysteries and plenty of things in our media that there's plenty of sex in media. There's plenty of you know depictions of of suicide and sexual violence and all these things that tell stories, right? Honestly, you're you're. I think you kind of drew the line when you said that thing about child pornography because it's like that is that's, that's like it. seemingly the only off limits thing is basically and not just child pornography it's like any sort of any violence leave the kids alone but yes. even then that's not yeah. true they killed kids in it like yes. graphically yeah, right? yeah yeah like any sexual depictions of children we tend to go everyone tends to morally agree and i say everyone as in let's say more than 85% of the world yeah. believes yeah like, you shouldn't off really the be table. That's yeah. off the table, right? Like you shouldn't be touching underage kids. But then some people go, "Well, what's underage? Is fourteen underage? Depending on yeah. where you are, right? Like depending on what country you're in." So it gets real tricky, and yeah. that's why it's like I, this is why I think we don't do it. Which is why, if you wanted an actual answer from me, it's you should put what's inside of content, and I should be able to make the decision if if I want to watch that content or not, and. That gets tricky when you have kids who don't know whether or not they want to see this content or not, right? And that's where it becomes a problem. Where I, as an adult, can read something and go, oh, that doesn't really interest me. I don't want to watch murder and, and violence. Or I might want to watch murder and violence, but at least I know what's in it, right? And I know, hey, I don't want my kids watching it, but I want to watch it. So I know this movie, I don't play with my kids. But what happens when your kids are 14, 15, 16, and they're trying to find their way through this content, and they're like, well, maybe I do want to see this. I don't know, right? I haven't decided yet. And then you watch it and go, ooh, I either really like this, which is maybe more concerning, depending on what it is, or, oh, God, I never want to see this. I'm now scarred for life. 
So yeah, it, it's an interesting discussion outside of the China thing because China's going to take this and abuse it, right? That's why we can all agree, well, this is China being China again. But remember, Australia was historically known, at least when I was a teenager, for banning almost every single video game that came out. It was always, Australia's banning Grand Theft Auto because of X, Y, and Z. And it was like, oh, come on, Australia, really? We're going to ban all these things? Your games are already way too expensive, and now you're going to ban this stuff? What happened to personal freedom? What happened to me being able to make a choice of the content I want to see? And I think that's what it comes down to. I think as long as it's we as a society make up the rules, like child sexual violence is something that the majority of us are not okay with, so don't put it in our media. And if you do put it in our media, it's a big point of being like, ah, this was in here, and it's really, it detracted from the story. It made the story, not, you did it like human centipede, right? You're doing that to be provocative. It doesn't actually make your story better. And that's always my rule with this type of stuff, as in if you need to put in things to tell a better story, to invoke an emotion that makes your storytelling better, then it's probably worth putting in there, because that's the point, right? That specific act isn't the point of why you're making this. You're making this because that act has ramifications on the rest of your story. And so as long as I know that, I'm cool for you to do whatever. But don't do it gratuitously just to do it, to say, ha, 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 look, we did this. And now, I mean, that's because that's what human centipede was. That's what a lot of people think they're edgy and they make, you know, controversial content. They do it because they just want to say, I just want to do this and see if I can get away with it. Yeah. Um, It's funny because as we say this, it kind of takes me to all the discussion about Chappelle's special that I haven't watched yet. But that's kind of what it is. Like you keep sort of bringing up something and you're just doubling down on it just so just because you've got the power to say that you can say whatever you want and at what point is that no longer telling the story or the 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 joke or the you know the message that you're trying to convey and at what point is it just you doing it to be doing it yeah i don't know like so I, that's my I, take the, on it. the one I, example i guess i would ask in what's what's your take well the one example that i could think of in the but just to, just to close the loop on something adding to the story and thinking about one version of, you know, you mentioned, uh, what is it like child, child pornography is I think about that movie running scared, uh, with Paul Walker, great movie, really great movie. But there's a, um, there's a scene where like part of it is about like this kid who's, who's also like on the run and goes his own problem is he gets abducted by this couple that's doing like some child pornography thing. That's like an actual beat on the, on the movie, but it adds to like this kind of horror of this kid and just like everything else that's going on in the movie. So I thought it was an, it was an interesting beat. It wasn't explicit. It was mostly implied, but that was, it's nothing explicit to the point where you could put that and get away with an R rating in that movie. And that's the thing when you usually, when you're alluding to things instead of outright showing things, it's somehow it's sometimes is more disturbing because your imagination yes. can fill in the blanks. Yeah, it invokes like, worse. for example, right? Like the, the, the one of the movie tropes is someone standing in a door. And there's someone in the background looking out that door and then the person slowly closing the door, knowing that something nefarious is about to happen behind this closed door. Right. Like you yeah. can tell the story of, of, of child abuse by just doing that. Right. You got a kid yeah. sitting on a bed and you got a gross man closing the door slowly. You you conveyed a message there without needing to over to overdo something. Right. But in China's mind, 
right? To me, that that does enough to tell me the story of something awful is happening here. It's not, you know, it's not. Um, there's no nudity. There's there's nothing there that you would consider that you couldn't put on a poster somewhere, right? Everyone's closed, and it's just telling a story point. Is that deemed inappropriate content? Yep. And it's up for chi- the Chinese government to decide that. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable with that. Yeah. So there's there's a few thoughts that I have on the overall story in general. One, it's a leaked memo. So, you know, it, until it's actually official, you can't actually say it's probably something that's being considered, not necessarily being enforced. Right. Because you do have to be careful. Um, then in in with that, you could give the benefit of the doubt to my first point, which is that this was not widely picked up by a lot of major game media outlets, which is concerning. Uh, you would think that it would come up as a story as you're reporting on other things globally, right? Like I think about the, you know, the Blitz Chung protest, right? The I think that was the guy's name when he was saying the the free Hong Kong movement, like that kind yeah. of stuff will get a little bit of play, but that fizzled out pretty quickly. But this is the kind of thing that didn't get picked up, which is a little concerning. But because it's not official, I get why maybe you want to hold off on doing that. The so so fair enough, benefit out there. Assuming that it's real, however, this is just a another this is just another beat for how diabolical the Chinese government is. And I don't and I'm not being hyperbolic because they are they they are basically a a country that is they are a government that is effectively brainwashing a billion people on the planet uh, to to think the way they want them to think. So you can't release a video game in China without it going through the Chinese government. Their internet doesn't look like our internet and their games don't look like our games. Now, some do, right? There's plenty of games that come out in China that are the same as they come out in other territories. Like I bet if I wanted to release Centipede recharged out there in China, I could probably do it without any any issues. We could, right? But we don't. Um, not not necessarily to shun them or whatever reason. We just we just haven't. We just haven't done that. So usually you need to go through a separate publisher who operates there to do it. So in the instance of this, however, they don't even want people like this. This if they do this, this would basically be like putting all your cards on the table. It's like you're not even pretending what you're doing anymore. Forget about the other things saying banning same sex relationships and the sissy stuff. The biggest thing like, yeah, that's all fucked up. But the bigger problem here to me is that games that have choices, good or evil. It's like this has to be altered. And it's not like saying, hey, only give players one path. It's like, no, give them the path that we want them to take, because these are the kind of characters that they should be associating with. These are the kind of we need to be pushing our values on them when they play a game. So if they're playing a game like Mass Effect, where there's hundreds, if not thousands of different paths you can take in the game, well, they're only going to see one because that's the only way that it's going to get distributed in China. And for the publisher side of things, well, that's the only way you're going to get all that money. And on the populist side of things, that's the kind of message that you're going to get from this game. So all you know is this is a great game. And when you play that, this is the story you're going to get. And you can be like, wow, yeah, this is why people like it. Cause it's a story that's really putting the values of the government of a handful of people on what I should be thinking and doing. 
versus actually understanding that the real core of a game like that is the choice. And that's that's the larger problem here. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, I mean, I just, as you're saying all that, it's just like, man, think about the amount of money that the Chinese government is going to have to spend to be able to police this type of work, right? Like, not, if not they much. are going to join the golden age of content with the rest of us, imagine the U.S. government, and they do in some d- degrees, right? Like, the U.S. government has whatever is the FCC for things that are broadcasted over the air, and they've got the, you know, the the MPAA that helps police sort of the copyright of material. But imagine having to send your your YouTube video or your game that you're developing or your short film through the government in order to get, you know, first of all, for them to probably release the funds, regardless of where those funds are coming from, for you to be able to release content in their country, the largest country in the world. Like, that's a lot of work. And for me, and I would say probably for most people with a very American mindset is, can't we be spending our money on something else? <laughs> like something else, like anything else, like spend the time somewhere else. Like this should be able to police itself. The, you know, the, the populace will police content because we do it now. Like We police stuff we want to see and don't want to see. People will come out and say, this is against our morals and values. Our community doesn't want to be part of this. And I think that's okay. But it doesn't mean that your community should be making the decisions for what my community wants to see. Yeah. And let the people, you've got a billion people to discuss this. I don't need five guys in suits in Beijing somewhere telling me this. Because there's plenty of content out there that I don't want to be part of, that I don't want to watch. Plenty of it. So, cool. Don't watch it. Right. But it's more about it's just another way of imposing control. That's the biggest yes, issue. That's the so point. it's yeah. the problem is it's like they'll spend whatever they need to, as long as it means that people don't get any ideas that, hey, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be doing this stuff. What's wrong with, what's wrong with being gay? What's wrong with me dressing uh, more effeminate? Right? Like, what's the problem here? And that's and the real problem is that you know you can't ever control. It's the problem with China banning everything. I think China banned Bitcoin for like the thousandth time the other week, and it's like you banning it. I think in human nature just means people are going to seek it out on their own. So you're telling me no one in China is able to watch Netflix or able to watch Disney Plus? Really? Like that's what you're going to tell me? That no one's watching this content that you've banned? Like get out of here! Like there's plenty of VPNs. There's people will find a way to view the things that they want to view. The globalization of everything has sort of limited the power in this, and they're only going to be able to stop so much of it. There's plenty of people in China selling selling those streaming boxes and things that give you access to stuff outside of what the Chinese government wants you to see. They can't have ghosts. They can't have ghosts in yeah. movies in China. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. There's a movie that we worked on that when it was bought by a Chinese company, right? So this movie was being produced. It ended up going to a Chinese buyer, and they didn't want to release release it in movie theaters because they thought that the characters resembled ghosts too much. That's the first time I learned about the superstition of ghosts and ghosts not being allowed in media. So I, I wonder yeah. if you can figure out what movie that is. But it was a movie that was supposed to be released, and then it ended up going straight to Netflix. It was one of the first like big visual effects movies that just went oh, straight to streaming. Damn it! I know 
See if what you can figure it, it out. Was, I I want to look it up, but I, I'm not going to get to it because I know I'm going to find it. Hang on. Give me one second. I'll I'm just give you it. until the rest of the podcast to find out what the movie is, to figure it out. Give the audience time to figure it out as well. At the, at the end of the podcast, oh, I'll wait, name can the I just, movie. I'm going to look at your IMDb to find it. No, don't look at my IMDb. That cheat. Just wait to the end. Wait to the end and, we'll, and I'll say it so that way the audience can think of this. So, so this is 2016 for those of yeah. you out there. Damn. This movie was was supposed to be a big release that got released in movie theaters, and it ended up being it ended up being purchased by a company in China, and the company in China did not want to release it because they thought the characters and the creatures looked too much like Ghost. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, crazy shit, and it's spooky. If you want to talk about real spooky? Forget the ghosts. It's the uh, it's it's one government uh, mind controlling a billion people. And it's the rest of the seemingly the rest of the world kind of like kowtowing it and just kind of letting it happen because they basically, you know, they, they, that's well, a huge all source. It's, it's all about China money. In some, we all rely on China in one in some way, shape or form financially. Yep. Right. So yeah. you only say and there's so enormous. Much yeah. And there's enormous market opportunity. So, yeah, right. Yep. There's a billion people mind control. But, OK, if I cut out ghosts in this movie, now all of a sudden I have an audience of a billion people that can see this movie. Yep. yep. So I mean, look, I, I don't want to say this flippantly, but there's a reason why Disney. You, you really think Disney is adding more Asian-American and Chinese characters into their films just because, you know, we need more Asian representation? Or do you think they see massive potential? For oh, it's it. definitely what it is. Right. Like, I mean, but again, it is what it is. I, and I'm for it if it means more, if it means marginalized communities actually get to see themselves in films. But let's not pretend that Disney isn't saying, hey, China's a giant untapped market. Let's try to let's try to put movies that they'd be interested in. Like, why not? They cut John Boyega from the Star Wars poster or like they shrunk him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but that, that's what it is. Right. And so it's like your values don't agree with mine, which is why I don't want you to control the content because yeah. you're not objective in this. Yeah. So that's the main issue. If they were objective, then cool, but they're not. So it's going to become with heavy bias and they're going to remove things that I might want to watch. Yeah. Well, but I don't live in China, situation. so I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll be okay. And that's the problem, right? I mean, but that's the problem. I don't live in China. Not my problem. And yeah. some at some point it might become your problem. So okay, so they got rid of uh, so they really shrunk John Boyega's character, and they straight up got rid of Chewbacca because <laughs> <laughs> Chewbacca ghost. Uh, I don't know. He's, Speaking he's, of John Boyega, did we talk about they're officially announcing an Attack the Block too? Oh, I don't think we ever did, but it's exciting. It's very exciting. I I you know what? The more I think about it, I when someone asked me what my favorite movie is. That's now my answer. I gotta watch it again. I've only seen it once. You've only, I've seen this movie 10, 15 times. All right. I, I think I've reached that point where enough time has passed that when someone asks me, what is your favorite movie? And it's not all of it, right? Like, it's just unexpected. It's great. Like, to me, that is the pinnacle of what makes filmmaking to me. Science fiction, there's comedy, there's a bit of horror in there, there's great character design. Um, it's not very long. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's done with it's a limited plus. budget. It does very creative things. To me, this is the this is sort of this this is why you want to make movies is to make stuff like this. This is the stuff that should be fun to make. But are you concerned that a sequel is? Uh, what's your thoughts on the sequel? Do you think uh, are you feeling good about it? 
I don't know. It's hard to tell if they if they keep similar. And again, I think this is one of these cult classic movies now, mm-hmm. and it kind of makes me feel like the like the uh, like the Matrix, right? With the first Matrix, everyone was like, "You got to see this movie. It's crazy. Would, You've never yeah. seen anything like it." And then you see the second one, and you're just like, "Uh oh." <laughs> like, there's some cool set pieces, but oh no, what have you done? I would almost think it's more like the Boondock Saints, where it's like first one flash in a pan. I remember like when that movie started circulate circulating, everybody's like, "This is the best thing ever. This is so good." And then they it, that movie got enough buzz to get a sequel, and the sequel apparently was garbage. I never even seen it. Yeah. I mean, even the yeah, first I, one I don't know. I don't fine. feel I'm happy that it's being made, but I don't know how I feel about it yet. I honestly would say I'd, I'd want to see a trailer of it. Um, I'd, I'd want to see I'd want to see what they're going to do. I hope they keep it in the spirit of what they have now um, in the first movie. I don't want them to again, like same budget, same techniques of what you're doing for the monsters, like try to keep it as similar as you had it before without trying to go up like there's so much animatronics and stuff used in this as well as cg like it's just really creatively done um so yeah i don't, I don't know how i feel I'm, I'm happy that it's happening but i don't know how i feel about it it's one of those things where it's like yeah i hope it's good so yeah i yeah, just looked up the boon i just looked at the boondock saying so when it came out it had a 28 percent rotten tomatoes and then in the original run the film only earned $30,471 in five theaters. It later developed a cult following and grossed about how much money in domestic video sales. Go ahead. Guess. Now, I already told you it got a sequel. I mean, let's say 700000 No. Keep going. Lower? Higher. Oh wow. Uh four million. Fifty million dollars. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow, really? Yeah. That's why they made a sequel. Yeah, I guess so. Jesus. Yeah, Attack the Block didn't make much money at all. No. Like this movie no, to me is the definition of a cult classic. I'm I'm on let me go to the Wikipedia yeah. page. I remember looking this up recently. Um, like the budget was cheap. And then it ended up it didn't like make half of its money back. Like it made no money. Um, yeah, budget eight million, box office four point one million, and that's in looks like pounds. The difference between these two examples is that Attack the Block is actually a good movie. It's a great so, movie. So, so it, when it gets that status, it, it goes beyond cult status because when you show it to somebody, they like it, and it's like it's an easy sell once they watch the movie. They'll tell every person I've told it. to watch this movie comes back and goes, "Wow, that was really great. I wasn't expecting that." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. It's such a great yeah, movie. It's awesome." I'm going to have to off uh, to rewatch it. Check it out because it was, it was really good. It's good. Um, yeah, good stuff. So before we get into talking a little bit more about some media therapy, because I'm really excited to talk about this Bond movie. Um, give, give us a quick uh, COVID update uh, right. over there in New Zealand. All right. Need, need that quick break news. We've given up. Great. So after basically <laughs> s- this is 15 months with no COVID. Yeah. Beginning of August, we got our first Delta case. And we've yep. been pretty much, we've gone all the way up to like 80 cases a day. And now we're down to around 30 cases a day. But it's over. The government came out, right? So we were doing eight weeks between vaccines, right? So I got my first vaccine shot September 6th. And my second shot was like the end of October. Because they're like, hey, all these articles say that for best efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine, you should wait eight weeks between doses. 
And so mm-hmm. the New Zealand government started scheduling the vaccines that way for people who aren't obviously in immediate risk, right? So if you're if you're in more if you're in some of the groups that are more high at risk, so people over the age of 65 or people with medical conditions, they were telling you get the 3 weeks so that way you just you've got maximum protection in the shortest amount of time. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. So the New Zealand government came out last week and said, "You know what? We realized that we might not actually get rid of the virus this time, right? Because New Zealand has kind of been thrown in people's faces around the world of, we've eliminated the virus, right? Mm-hmm. No COVID cases. We've eliminated it. Things are going back to normal. We're waiting for the rest of the world to get their stuff together so then we can all be happy and travel again. And the New Zealand government this week basically said, uh, you should get your vaccine now because uh, we're not, we don't think we're going to be able to live COVID free. And the sooner you get vaccinated, the sooner we can just open everything back up because this isn't really working and we're not going to be able to completely stamp this out. Exactly. So all it took was one case from Australia that everyone laughed at and said, wow, you guys shut down the country for one case for us to, again, we shut down because of one case. And now we're at the point where we can't get rid of it. So if anything should confirm to you that COVID is here to stay. It's that. It's that a country that had no cases for for pretty much a year had no cases in the community. All it took was one Delta case for us to basically abandon this of saying, you know what? Spread's too easy. It's now getting into communities of people who we don't feel are going to be getting vaccinated. And it's starting to get into the seedier parts of New Zealand. So like there's a story now that some gang members are starting to catch covid and of course they're not following the lockdown rules because why would you right it's like i don't follow the rules anyways well i'm gonna follow it now and now i'll see if this is still the top story that i read this morning and i go oh wow we are headed towards very interesting territory um they're trying to find a case in an area called northland that is north of auckland and apparently this is the rumor is this is a sex worker who has gang ties. So of course she's not she's not forthcoming of where she's been because she had falsified documents to leave Auckland. And so now it's like, well, what have you been doing? And it's like, uh-oh, you've now reached the parts of seedier life that people are not going to be so willing to come forward about where they've been and who they've been around and why they've got caught the virus. So this thing's going to spread. And so I've moved my vaccine date up to Tuesday because I'm not waiting. Give me that second shot because this thing is going to travel down the island. We are going to have to live with COVID like everybody else. This is the way the world is going. So all of you who think we can get rid of COVID, we got rid of COVID and it still came back. So Jason is right. Get your shot. Yeah. And we got to move on. It's where we're headed. The, the, The New Zealand government has told us this. The, the, the government that probably had the strictest of the lockdowns of you can't do anything. We were at level four. McDonald's wasn't even open. You could do nothing. Only thing you can do is go to the grocery store. That was it. And we can't get rid of this thing. We're still lingering at 30 cases a day and we can't get rid of it. Yeah. So there you go. You're right. Got to get the shot. And then we'll we'll get a little passport. They got a little website and a little QR code where you get your passport. And they're basically saying, hey, you want to go to concerts? You want to have fun yep. this summer? Kids? Get vaccinated. Yep. You want to go to rugby games and cricket games and drink with your bros? Got to get vaccinated because if you're not, you're not going to be able to get in. And so now we're going to see who's going to get vaccinated who's not because there's a there's a little bit of an underswell of people being like, uh-oh, government's trying to force me to get vaccinated. I don't know how I feel about this. 
should be my choice, my body, my choice. But they're saying, yep, your body, your choice, which means you can't go to a concert if you make your choice. Yep, so sorry. cool, stay at home. Yeah. So yeah, you were uh, you were right. This is where we're going. So I got my vaccine moved up two weeks. Get my second shot on Tuesday. I get my little my little afternoon flu. Get a, get a little headache after the second shot, and then bounce back, and then I'll be good. I got great sleep though. Like, did you did did, did you uh, feel uh did you feel a bit tired and sore after the after the second one? Yeah, I just got I was sleepy, and that was felt I slept for like 10, 10 hours. <laughs> it was great. Nice. Well, really I plan good. on doing the same. I got my shot early Tuesday morning, and I'm hoping I'm sleepy enough to just miss work that day. That's my yeah. You still you still get the arm pain. That still happens, but whatever. Deal with it. Yeah. You know. So yeah. I, so I don't no feel problem. so bad, America. Even New Zealand is giving up. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. I mean, global pandemic. It, unless everybody's on board, this is the point I was making. Unless everybody's on board, you're not getting rid of it. I'm sorry, and you can't just stay. You can't just stay inside forever. Unfortunately, it's just not a good tactic because either everybody's in and does the New Zealand plan or, or, or it doesn't work. So it's unfortunate, but that's, that's kind of how it goes anyway. Um, it's kind of wild though. I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at this map of the country and just the, um, the amount of places where it's high risk, low risk, all these other places. It's uh it's kind of wild what the map looks like or vaccination rates. Like, it's all the places you expect the deep. It looks yeah. like a political map and it's really sad. Do you have anti-vaxxers <laughs> over there? Yes, we do. Cool. There's a couple, of, fun, there's a right? couple of, but it's funny though, because the anti-vaxxers are getting shouted down pretty heavily. They still exist. People are funny here because they, they take a real, I mean, again, it's a pretty liberal country, right? So people take a real hard stance of this is how this needs to be. But there's a lot of rural people who go, I don't see many people. I don't live in big city. I don't live in Auckland. And there's quite a few people that are saying, you know, if you're going to force me to get this vaccine and I'm a, and I'm an immigrant, I might actually want to leave because I, I don't actually believe in some of this stuff. So there's quite a few, there's people out there who don't, you know, people in New Zealand want to tell you that, oh, you just need to get vaccinated. There's a lot of people out there that I think are a little, uh, they're a little skeptical about getting vaccinated. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, they exist. I heard somebody saying that, like, if this thing wasn't safe, they, if they, if if this thing wasn't safe, they wouldn't have given it to the most powerful people in the world first. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. I don't Usually think you know, it goes there's all the sorts of rich people around. taking this thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, there's only so many rich people shouting this down, right? There's only a few of them, but there's a lot of them yep. saying like, "Nah, nah, you should get it. I got it." <laughs> so. Yeah. I tell you what, political maps are going to look really interesting with all these, uh, with the disparity of unvaccinated being dead and the amount of unvaccinated who are on the right like what does that do to a political map i really mm. understand i really wonder um but we won't know we won't know we got some elections this year but really it's going to be next year's what's going to be interesting so we'll see we'll see yeah all right well enough of that shit let's move on to some media therapy i don't think i have a paul giamatti game i don't now you know what i did have a paul giamatti game let me see if i can remember Okay. Good luck. Um, yeah, give me, give me a, give me a bit. I'm gonna see if I can remember because I, I pulled up someone today that I was like, huh, he's around a similar age of Paul Giamatti. Oh, I got, um, one. I got one. Go for it. All right. Okay. Cool. Here we go. Who's older? Because I'm in Bond mood and I'm ready to talk about Bond. So I'm gonna ask you, who's older, Jeffrey Wright or Paul Giamatti? Uh, this is probably the best one I've ever done. 
I'm going to say Jeffrey Wright is older, but not by much. He's older by six months. Wow. Uh, he is older by, well, he's one year older. He was born June. So let's see. That's June 1967. No, no. He's about, yeah. He's about a year and a half older. Okay. Okay. So I was, I was there, but not, uh, yeah. but, but not, not time frame. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm right. trying to see if I can remember. Great. This is weird because, and I'll say this: I watched Paul Giamatti because the 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 final episode of this of the COVID season of Billions right came skinny, out this week. Skinny Paul Giamatti. Skinny Paul Giamatti still looks good. Yeah, um, I will say that Billions is one of those shows that, like, there's moments where you're like, "Oh man, this thing is just getting corny," and then there's moments where you're like, "Oh, this is great. This is one of the best things on TV." Um, and yeah, the the way the season ended, one of the best things on TV. It was great. Wow. Um, well, we oh, gotta... I got it. I got it. I remember now. I remember now. Because the other thing I was watching, the the America, the America crime story of the impeachment trial of Bill Clinton. Right. And on this week's episode, Jake Tapper showed up. I oh. did not realize that Jake Tapper had a connection to the Monica Lewinsky story. Did you know this? I guess it makes sense, right? He was a journalist. He was a journalist that apparently... You know, his one of his claim to fames was that he went on a date with Monica Lewinsky before oh. this scandal had hit. So I'm going to read, see if I can find it. Um, but anyways, that's my Paul Giamatti game. Who is older, Jake Tapper or Paul Giamatti? Jake Tapper, I think he's older. Or he's the same age. Or he's younger. So Jake, it's one of those Jake things. Tapper, <laughs> Jake Tapper is born March 12, 1969. I believe that makes him... Two years younger than Paul Giamatti. Yeah, two years younger. Damn. God damn, Paul. So Shit. Jake Tapper <laughs> is, and I, I want to find this because I was surprised by this to see him show up as a young man. So Tapper wrote, wrote several articles as a freelance writer and then began his full-time journalism career in 1998. For two years, he was a senior writer for the Washington City Paper. While there, Tapper wrote an article about going on a date with Monica Lewinsky, which skewered Washington's culture of scandal. Tapper won a Society of Professional Journalists Award for his work at the Washington City Paper. So, yeah, there's an article out there that a young Jake Tapper wrote about going on a date with Monica Lewinsky. Hmm. So there you go. If you're watching that show, and that show's actually okay. Um, it's good, right? Because there's a bit of historical in there. I just think that Clive Owen is is Bill Clinton. It's hard to buy into that. <laughs> it just It's just hard. Yeah. Um, but it's good. And I think I think that's a little my only major criticism is that they've made Monica Lewinsky seem really dumb. Now, Monica Lewinsky is one of the producers on this. And I'm okay. trying to figure out, is she doing this in order to make herself look more favorable? As in, well, I was just a young, dumb intern who didn't know any better. Or is this like a real because it just seems overly naive for a 22 year old the way that she's talking. It's almost like she's got a bit of a mental illness, which is the weird part that's weird. It's like overly just like, oh, well, it's just this. I, I, I wouldn't expect any of this to happen. It's just like so aloof and kind of dumb that it feels like she's kind of doing this on purpose to go see how stupid I was. It's all Bill Clinton's fault. I didn't do anything wrong. Right. <laughs> so it's but it's good. It's a uh, it's an enjoyable watch. OK, cool. Maybe I'll check it out at some point. Yeah, it's especially since it's uh, especially since two shows that I have been watching have ended now as of this week. So I'll start with what if speaking of Jeffrey Wright, that thing ended and uh, it was fine. I, I wasn't stopped watching crazy it. about it. Yeah, stop watching it after uh, I forget which episode I stopped watching. It's um, fine. 
the last episode was like the most interesting one. And it was like, it was good that they actually did tie everything together in a weird way, but it also ended by being like, meh, nothing matters. Like, okay. Yeah. Great. Pretty much. So it's a cartoon. That's all I really matters. Yeah. That's really all I have to say about it. Um, now, can I and, ask you about another cartoon if, if, and ask if you've watched this? Uh, go for it. Star Wars Visions. Have you watched any of this? No. I think I should, though, right? I, 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 think, I, I think I want to as well, but I, I okay. just saw this come up, and I believe it's a, it's a Disney Plus thing, but it's yep. another animated short film. And again, the it's Star an Wars anime. universe. It is an anime. It's animated. It's an anime that's on Disney Plus. So it's Lucasfilm Animation, and I've heard mixed reviews about it. But I, I'm a good, I'm a fan of the Star Wars universe, right? Like I, I don't hate the Mandalorian. I'm a fan of the universe. I just hate that we keep bringing up the Skywalkers. Like, give me stories that don't include that family. Yeah, I'm and with you. I'd be, I, I'm really keen for you just to build out random stuff in this universe because it's so interesting. You can pretty much do whatever you want, and yet they always seem to go back to the Skywalkers. So I'm kind of right. hoping that this is something that's a little different, but it's cool. So because it's an animated and it's it's got a bit of anime in it, so I'm gonna watch this. But yeah, I was curious if you'd watch this. No, not yet. I'll have to check it out because they they put the whole thing on there. That's it's very the un yeah. un Disney like, and I just find that when they do that, I'm less likely to watch a thing hmm, when that happens. Because I could, interesting. Yeah, because like a 30 minute thing. Like, all right, let's jump around to the next thing. Right, Ted Ted Lasso. I watched that while I was eating lunch today. Perfect. 30 minutes, I'm done. Or 40 minutes. Or 45 case. minutes. Those episodes have been long. <laughs> is, it's a long episode, but they got a lot to say. Um, and that's easier to digest than... Because I can't I can't just sit and watch TV. I just can't. I'd rather mm. play a game. It's like Your more, video it game. commands my attention. Well, it commands my attention more. Because yeah. if I'm watching something, I'm more tempted to you know, do other things. Twitter. To yeah. check other things yeah multitask whereas i think that's I why i like doing really it. unwind yeah i think that's why i like doing that though because playing video games i feel like i lose track of time which is disconcerting sometimes yeah. right like you're playing a game and you look I up suppose. and you're like oh my god i've spent the last like six hours playing this thing versus oh, like, i don't i don't get that problem i don't have because I, I can't again i can't just, i can't yeah. play for that long but again, it's just something where you just get sucked into it. And again, six hours mm -hmm. maybe is an exaggeration, but it's three hours, right? Like you just get sucked into it yeah. and it's hard to be like, oh man, I couldn't do something else while I'm doing this where, yeah, I tend to watch TV and then you can, for if episodes get a little boring, you kind of zone out and wait for something to happen and get back into it. So, yeah. But that's why I like seeing movies in theaters because it's like they, they force you to pay attention and like yes. the whole audiovisual experience It's the best. That's why movie theaters, I don't think they'll ever go away even though covid no. was like is this the end of theaters like no no it's not go to yeah because anyway. the the full immersive experience is something that i still think is important being able yeah. to immerse yourself in something when you really get into it is why video games are so popular in my opinion yeah. i think most people just find better experiences when they can fully dedicate their time to stuff there's too much content that we just kind of we kind of eat without thinking yep right it's like you just junk don't think food, about it. Yeah. You just it's junk food, right? Versus like actually really enjoying the meal and the process of it and the preparation of it. Like there's something special about that. You need both. You need the junk and you also need the thing that you can really just sit down and digest. And there's nothing with film, there's no better way to fully digest something than see it in the movie theater. Yeah. It's the best. Like for example, um, like Ender's game, right? And a lot of people don't like that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In movie theater, that movie was incredible. Yeah, we saw it together. It's, it's, we, it's still we, one of the most incredible. 
did we see that together? <laughs> Didn't we see? Did, yeah, because that's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we're going to see this. She's like, yeah, let's go see it. And I see it at nine in the morning. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah we that's IMAX. right. We, we went to the I remember uh, Lincoln, that. Lincoln Square IMAX. Uh, that's when I made my little return trip to New York for a couple of months. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that game was incredible. I came out of that movie like, wow, that was amazing. That was great. Now, I, I if I watched it at home, I'd probably be like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's that's cool. okay. Yeah. But seeing that with like the ships and all, like it was, it was crazy. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said about some of the most popular movies of all time now are movie theater experiences. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like no I would argue that I would argue that the final Marvel movie didn't do anything for me because I watched it on an airplane. Yeah, versus oh, being in the yeah. movie theater and watching all the portals open and watching Captain America grab the hammer and the experience of it. I'm sure is what's made that movie the most popular movie of all time. Like, no doubt. No doubt in my mind is the experience of watching that thing in a movie theater. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, sidebar before we get, because I, I really want to talk about No Time to Die. But what did you think of the finale of Ted Lasso? What did you think of season two as a whole? Uh, I thought it ended very strong. I thought it yeah. ended much better than... Look, I would say that this season, season one is by far better. It just is. Yeah, as a whole, I'd agree. As a whole, it's better. It's more, you know, learning about the character. It's an origin story, mm-hmm. which is always better. This season it had a lull in the middle of it where you're trying to figure out, like, where are we going? Like, what's happening? Yeah. And then at some point, it just came It just came back to life. And I thought this season ended really well where you kind of actually have built up. And again, like, these types of shows, you do kind of need a nemesis. You need a villain. And that's part of the issue with this season is that there wasn't really a clear villain. The villain was mental health, really. Yeah. Well, it Where was, the first it was season, also... the, the villain was was the, the owner of the team of, yeah. you know, her trying to sabotage the fact that, you know, Ted is kind of trying to do a job that he's got no business doing and he wins her over, right? So that villainy is done. And then this whole season was like, it's a, all a big happy family. There's no real villain. And they've kind of, now that you find the, that you come to find out the story is about fatherhood figures and mental health and men's mental health. Right. Mm-hmm. And that all kind of falls apart at the end. And now you kind of go right back to there's a good and there's an evil. And we're going to resolve this through comedy and, and European football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. It's like by the end of this season, you could look at this as an or as a villain origin story, yes. because that's what season three is going to be. And I am, ready for it because they say this is going to be over in th- with three seasons three like, seasons perfect. that's it that's all you get you three bet seasons. you better yeah. you better be honest about that you better stick to it because you know this thing's going to have a relatively happy ending at the end of three but you know how is it uh how's going to shake out i'm, I'm here for it because you still kind of like all these characters even though this one this season does a really good job of making you really dislike one of them <laughs> And we can spoil it. I mean, we might as well spoil. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso, then go watch it. Like, stop listening to this and go watch it. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, we should just. I'd rather just spoil it and talk about it. Because I would assume most people, if you are, I mean, this show won a bunch of Emmys. Like, this show yeah. cleaned up at the Emmys this year. Like, yeah, it's, seriously. Go, you'll, it's, you'll, it's worth you want to talk about binging? Is. Yeah, you're going to talk yeah. about binging. Go and binge this thing, and you will come back in about three hours when you're done. Um, and, and real quick, I'm not going to spoil anything. We'll talk about more about bond after, after John sees it. But my quick, but my quick take is go see that movie. All right. Yeah. So Ted Lasso, yeah. 
So yeah, Three, look, I mean, it's two, just the fact one, that spoils. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So look, it's just the fact that you know Nate, who was kind of the unassuming equipment manager at the at the first season, that yep. Ted gives a chance to. And again, I I just say like it's funny because you just see a lot of father and son and family themes through this of like adults and the people that they're raising. So it's not just father and son, but it's it's mother and son. Like it's got those themes in it. As in there's a there's an authority figure of some way, shape, and form that is having a major impression on a subordinate, let's say, right? So with yeah. the dude Jamie and his father, Ted and his father, Nate and Ted basically kind of being his father. Yeah, but you see Nate, as, Nate and yes. his father as well. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all there's all these themes, and it's the themes of basically like what does that do to men's mental health, which is the theme of this season. Of just, you know, not being able to talk about your emotional issues. And that's what a lot of this is, is Nate, un- his inability to talk about basically hating himself. Because yeah. he does, he hates himself. And how that manifested is basically saying, "I when I needed your help, you weren't there to help me. When it's like, well, the things that you're doing don't warrant that type of help. Like, it's very clear that you're missing this recognition that you think you deserve. And it just comes through as like, they really did a good job of trying to make you hate him. Even though they put all the themes in there of why, you know, people are complicated. And it was just very interesting. The fact that it kind of took that turn the way that it did. I enjoyed it. It kind of made Ted as Ted's not infallible. He's, he's a great guy. He's fun. He's got these quirky jokes, but he's made mistakes. He's done things he shouldn't have done. He's handled things not necessarily in the proper way, and he knows it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just interesting. Like, it's a show that started off as this really goofy comedy that's hitting on some really powerful themes that is just, and it's still enjoyable to watch. It still has plenty of funny moments. So, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a good show. Like, it's hard to say that this show is not great. Yeah. And they did do a good job of seeding all these things in the first season, like when they when he yeah. does first have the panic attacks. And... You know, like all the characters are so good. And I'd say that because all the characters are so good, that leads to the biggest weakness of the season is because you want to spend time with every character and they try to balance them all relatively equally. And as a result, you don't feel like you get enough of anybody because you're spending too much time with everyone. Which well, is well, it's funny though, because I would is, say in the beginning though, I thought I was like, Man, we're spending a lot of time with Nate the equipment manager. And yeah, here's why right because you're basically going to turn him into the evil villain you're going to turn him into the opposite of what ted is like they have built an opposite version of ted someone who's overly qualified and who doubts himself at every turn of what he does where i would say ted doesn't really doubt himself because he's kind of saying if you believe in these core values you guys will figure it out yeah and nate's the complete opposite and nate's like i've earned this and you haven't and yet you seem to always be able to make the right decision. And I can't live with that. And so it's just very, it's a very interesting how they built the opposite of Ted Lasso throughout this season when they spent more time with him than any other character. You got to learn Nate more than anybody else. Yeah. And that's why. And that's why I was like, yeah, if you see it this season of where it ends to where it started and how it progressed, then it makes sense. But while you're in it, you're like, hey, there's a bit of filler here. So a couple of episodes and I don't know how much of this I really need. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting how like every person in 
I mean, I guess with the exception of the of the owner, like of Rebecca's, like everybody who's in that coaching room kind of had their own part in building him up to be the guy that is going to be the antagonist of season three. Like, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Like, even though I said, like, that's kind of a negative. The fact that you still like really like all these characters is just a testament to how good There's of a show it is. There's not one unlikable character. And again, they I think they had to try really hard to make Nate unlikable. Like they did everything yeah. they could possibly do to make this guy. He was doing things in order to get a rise out of people. And most people just don't care. They're just like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever, Nate. Like you're just some, someone that you just look over. Just someone that you just ignore. Yeah. And like when he says, yeah. the point where he's like, yeah, I kissed Keely and Roy's just like, okay, I know. He's like, you're not, you're not mad about that. He's like, oh, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. And he's like, he's, he's like, you don't, you, you don't want to punch me? And he's like, no. He's like, no, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> like, like it happens. Oh, no worry about it. And he's in, again, to a guy like that, is it's an, it's an oversight. He wants to be hated. He wants yeah. to be disliked because that means he's noticed. And that's kind of the whole theme of, of his story that they spent so much time that at times is a little boring. But it's hard when it's not a, you know, he's not necessarily there to make the jokes. That's Ted's job, right? Like right. he's not there as comedic foil. He's there to give some, to give a bit of levity to this thing as they try to then turn Ted into a bit more instead of a, instead of a mustache with, with, you know, good, good kinded treats and, and jokes. You had to turn him into this complicated human being who's hurting and working through it, and Nate is hurting and he's angry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which, again, which is very interesting for a show that started off as jokey as possible in season one has turned into something that actually has a bit of substance, which is pretty cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Um, looking forward to season three. Don't know when it's coming, but hopefully, uh, hopefully. Just to think, you away. you were not. I told you about I this know. last year. I you know. weren't going to watch right. it. You were like, and I told you, you were right. this is one of the best things I've ever seen. It's one of the yeah. best things I've ever watched. And I still believe that. Like, it's really well done. I agree. If you have not watched this and you've listened to this anyways, go watch the first season. I think it's really, really, really well done. Yeah, it really is. It's excellent. It's excellent. And even though you say, like, oh, it's kind of jokey in the first season, like, it still has the depth. Like, it yes, still it has yeah. depth. It just does it through a character that it just does it through endearment instead yeah. of a lot of other content here, which is like, all sad and depressing and all these other Angry. things. So it can, it's so everything. it's great. Yeah. This is why, and I mentioned it before, this is why Scrubs was so good because Scrubs kept it fun while still also hitting on the serious topics. And it did that yeah. through just quality writing and characters that you wanted to still be around. And that's, that's how they do it. it was great. Now I, I did. There's, there is one fun fact about this show that I don't think I've told you yet, but you know, the guy that plays the, the Nigerian businessman or the Ghana businessman, dude, that scene, Sam Richardson. It, yeah, that scene in this, <laughs> this season finale was one of the best scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> so, but go ahead. Sam Richardson. I went to school with Sam Richardson. Oh, really? <laughs> I went to high really? school with Sam. Yeah, he was a year. He was a year ahead of me. Um, wow. Again, I, I don't like. I wouldn't consider us friends at all. But yeah? Yeah, I started seeing his face more, and I'm like, I know this dude. And you do a bit of background, you're like, he went to he went to my high school. So he graduated a year before me. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, so there you go. So if you want to know a famous person, 
Get him on the podcast. Myself and also Anthony, a listener to the show. We all went to school with Sam. Sam's blowing up. He's on everything now. I see him all. I see him all over the place, which is cool. Dude, he needs. He needs a. He needs a nomination after that scene. It was yeah, so good. Again, he's, the transformation. He's, yeah. The transformation was incredible. Yeah. When he starts faking taking a shit, I'm like, this is amazing. This is, this is like, this is yeah. It's crazy else. that this guy who was just extremely charismatic turns into this megastar that uh, is pretty cool. So that's great. Well, good for him. Yeah, you killed it. Uh, maybe he'll listen to this, or he won't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, we can try to get him on here. He is definitely younger than Paul Giamatti. <laughs> okay, cool. That's good. Should um just just to be clear. All right. And look, I I will say again, Billions is definitely worth a watch if you haven't watched it and you like you like over the top shows about American society and billionaires and how awful financial institutions are. It's totally worth a watch. It's great. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I need to talk about no time Alrighty. to die. Yes. It's finally time. Well, have there been any movies that you've seen that you want to talk about or anything like that? Oh, is there anything I've seen? Uh, the only other thing I've watched is I st- I've been watching more TV. I watched a- I watched the first episode of the Squid Game. Mm-hmm. It, it that's what I mean by like we're at the golden age of content. Like, there's nothing special about this. I, I don't well, know you're why only on, you're only on one episode. You've only seen but again, episode. but like everyone's like, this is the greatest. This is the best thing I've ever. And I'm just like, I don't see it. It's good content. But it's gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous. It's it's just kind of it's just something to watch. Yeah. So this is through a lot of good marketing. Netflix getting on board. That's if this this could be released on YouTube, and I, I mean you know a couple people would watch it. But is this going to be game changing on how we make film and television? I don't think so. But it's the most popular thing that's being watched on Netflix right now. So there you go. People love it. I'll never yep, watch they it. Do. All right, cool. No time to die. Um, been waiting for this for two years. <laughs> I have. I I've been waiting for it for two years. Both of us have. Yeah. How? What do you see? I don't think I've ever asked you that. I, I probably have. We probably talked about this before. What's your general take on James Bond as a whole? Not just the Craigs, but James Bond as a franchise. Like, where do you stand? <sighs> it's a tough one, right? Because it's it's a it's a classic franchise right mm-hmm. it's one of the true classic franchise characters that we have in film like yeah. just as a name right like there's not especially many that's still around today yeah that's still around like indiana jones uh, you know all the, the skywalker family like if you just name names in cinema history right the the corleones Right. Like you can just think of names of characters that have spanned over multiple movies that sort of withstand the test of time. James Bond to me is that character. Name me another character that has lasted as long as James Bond has as a character. There isn't one. I don't think there is one. Yeah. Not with not with as many installments in their franchise. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's hard to and, and I think that that hurts it to be honest, because you sort of have to follow a bit of a formula. And this is, I mean, because remember, right, when Daniel Craig first became Bond, like how much is a giant scandal? First of all, he's not English. He's he's Welsh, right? Or he's from somewhere else. I think he's from, no, no, he's English, sorry. It was from somewhere, like, he. this guy isn't your prototypical Bond. Right? Bond's supposed to look a certain way. Bond's supposed to drive a certain car. He's supposed to have a certain type of watch. He's supposed to use a certain type of pistol. 
supposed to get a certain type of girl. And they've kind of tried to break this. And I feel like this movie is trying to break it. Because they got to figure out what the hell to do with James Bond after this. In a new world, in a new time where you can't have Sean Connery talking about slapping women. Like, James Bond as a character needs to change. And so, yeah, as, as a series and a franchise, as a, as, a, as a male born in the 80s, I love James Bond. I think all of it is super cool. I think spy movies are great. I think it's got enough corny in there, but it's also got enough action and enough style and class in it that it's not. Like, Fast and the Furious is fun to watch. Fast and the Furious can't put on a suit and sell a watch and do some of the real classy things or make a drink a certain way that I'm like, that's Bond. It's it's a bit of old school in it, but there's also a bit of just style and class in it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my feeling on it. But it's one of those things that it's like, I look forward to watching the movies because of that. But I also see that it's like, you know, John Wick is doing a lot of the things that I think Bond historically was known for has done better of like the unstoppable man like John Wick does that way better. Those are way better movies, in my opinion, as far as how they're filmed, the style of them. But there's the, the class isn't there, right? You're missing something there. Where Bond to me brings in all of that old school stuff together, which some people would say now is sexist and doesn't have enough minorities and uses women as objects and glorifies, you know, um, money and power. So like, yeah, it's it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, knowing what. With all that said, there is. I, th- I think you're going to like this movie. Wonderful. My my take on Bond. I love Bond as a series, but I yes. like my favorite Bond is the Roger Moore era of Bond because of how silly and over the it's top. It's the goofiest of all of them, right? I like, yeah, it's it definitely is when they went crazy and just that's when he went to space. That was with the underwater, <laughs> underwater <laughs> labs. That's where they had yeah. like villains like Jaws and you know, you had, uh, and the first one was he went to Harlem. James Bond went to Harlem. Okay, that, yeah. that's where he started. <laughs> that was the first place he went to Harlem and New Orleans. Uh, all right, and then he jumped over a bunch of alligators. Okay, it's the, it, you know, it was the time where there was always like that convenient gadget. Like he got the most obscure gadget, and then it just came in handy at just the right time at just this situation to take to dispatch a uh, one of these over the top henchmen. Um, you couldn't do that with any of the Craig movies. They no. did do a little of that with Spectre and it did it and they felt like they might have went a little too far. This movie, No Time to Die, this is the best. I think of the Craig movies, this is the this is like the perfect James Bond movie that I would want from the Craig universe. So it kind of corrects where where um, Spectre went a little too far with its silliness and kept the things grounded again within the universe while still keeping the tone, but also bringing things like more gadgets, having things like henchmen. Like in the in the opening shots of this movie, you'll see a guy with a bulging eye. And for the and the moment he did that, I was like, yes, I had this shit eating grin on my face because I'm like, we're back. We're fucking back. We bond us back. It's going to be good. And oh man, this, this movie is shot so well. It's beautiful. It's so creative with its, um, it's, and maybe not creative in the grand scheme of things when you look at things like John Wick, but it's creative in putting bond in unique situations. 
You know like, what's crazy? A, As yeah. you've been talking, this is the first James Bond movie directed by an American. Really? It's the only I know one. who he is. He he directed the first season of True Detective. He's the only one. I, I uh, went through all the Bond movies, and everyone else is so. Um, Mark Forster is German, German and Swiss, who directed Quantum of Solace, and that movie is the worst Bond movie of all of them. I hate that movie with a passion. That's uh, um, not not my least favorite. Afterwards, they're all British. There's a couple of Kiwis here. There's a mm. couple of Canadian British directors, but but Carrie Joji Fukuonga. I can't say his last name. He's the only American. He's born in Oakland. <laughs> He's the only American to ever direct a Bond movie, which is crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Well, he did. He did an incredible job. I think this is. So let let me break this down because Casino Royale is the best Great. Bond movie. It's the best Great. movie. Yes, it's not my favorite Bond movie, but it's the best movie of all of them. Technically speaking, it's just a legit great film. Yes. Okay. That, that's undeniable. Yep. You can know nothing about James Bond and love that movie. Exactly. That movie's, it, that movie's basically perfect. It's the only issue with it is that it might run a little long. No one yeah, really it's a thinks long one, about it. No one really good, thinks about the last 15 minutes of that movie. Um, but otherwise, it's, it's amazing. Um, people, a lot of people talk about Skyfall. That movie's good, but it's a little silly, uh, but, it, but it's still very good. But this movie, easily the second best. And I'd say, but as as far as being a fan of Bond, this is the movie that I could see myself rewatching more than any of them. Because it's it better is better than best. Skyfall. That's what's because like Skyfall's a really good movie. It's better than Skyfall. Easily. Wow, okay. That's, easily better Skyfall than Skyfall. Skyfall to me is I think of all of the modern Bonds is the best one. That movie's really good. That movie's really well done. It's as well. good. It's fun. It just doesn't have like I said, you gotta you gotta Remember my context here. Yeah. 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 This is yeah. this is the best Bond movie yeah, of sure. all five of them. It's the best Bond movie. Not the best film, but the best Bond movie. And it hit every level that I wanted it to. I I can't remember the last time I was in a movie like smiling so much, being like, this is doing everything I want it to do. This is so good. It's like it's it's really great. And it always felt in universe with um with the rest of the bond movies that built it out here. And it, uh, it, it had a lot of surprising stuff. It was cool. Uh, sure. There's some downsides like Rami Malek is barely in this movie, which is yeah. strange. Um, especially How considering about Rami Malek as a, as a, as a, as an actor. I got no beef. Never, never worked with him. So I couldn't, tell I, I, I just kind of find him really, un- I feel like we try to make him more than what he is. Yeah, he's he's good. Like when he's on screen, I I think they just underutilized him. I would have liked to seen more of him in this because he does a really good job of portraying a creepy ass dude. And that was kind of his role here. Um, But just as a character, it was kind of confusing as what he was actually supposed to be doing. But that that's also like classic Bond in that you had these guys with these audacious plans yeah. And it's like, maybe it's better if I didn't know what you wanted to do, because the more I learn, the more I'm like, this is kind of stupid. Um, but this but but his uh, his role is like super intimidating, which is interesting because all of his prior roles, you wouldn't necessarily think of him as that guy. But yeah, I, I got no beef with him. I thought uh, he wasn't the problem with the Bohemian Rhapsody. 
No, 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 no. And again, again, I didn't even think that movie was very bad. To be honest, I thought it was fine. Um, the movie that I'm thinking of with him, or that made me kind of go like, eh, he's all right, is the movie with Denzel that came out. That did I talk about this? Oh, the little the things? Denzel movie that came out earlier this year. Yeah, the little things. Right? It yeah, was him and things. Jared Leto. Yes. Now Jared Leto completely crushed that movie. He outshined. I mean, Denzel always holds holds his own. But like Rami Malek was just kind of he was just kind of whatever. Like it just he just kind of I was like, man, they've, we really kind of made tried to make him the star of this thing when Denzel and Jared Leto just completely just proved why they're better actors than him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. Obviously, he's not as good as those two. But no, it's tough. Right. Yeah. But again, but where do you put him? I mean, this guy's this guy's won an Academy Award. Rami Malek's no slouch now, but. But like, what is he? I don't know. In this case, I think he's just kind of a, you know, there's an eclectic dude. I think when he's playing those more eclectic roles, that's where he shines. Such as something like this movie where he's got all this crazy, these face scars and he's just meant to be creepy or Freddie Mercury where that dude is like just this super flamboyant, high energy guy. And it's like, okay, cool. That's, that's when he excels is when he's doing those characters maybe that's yeah his role. like he, he's I like seen mr the, robot that's that was his breakout mr. Robot's right? okay like and again i would say i would argue there that christian slater is really kind of the real star of that like he's mm-hmm. the one that has the a bit of the um what is it what's the movie um um oh, why am i drawing blank on this the whole guy fox movie oh v for vendetta no. Yeah, it, like he's kind of that. He's kind of V of like, this is the, the greater purpose of the world and the evil that we're taking down and this, that, and the other. That's kind of who he plays Mr. Robot. And oh, Remy okay. Malik's just kind of this nerd. Like, again, like there's just, I haven't watched all of Mr. Robot. I know there's more than just the first season, but for me, Remy Malik was just this real quiet, nerd, quirky character. And Christian Slater was the charismatic, I'm trying to get you to take over the world. I'm trying to get you to upheave. Um, financial power all the things that you do when you're trying to get some really smart people to do your bidding of taking down society but like that's but again he's just kind of a he's an actor which is why it's funny because it's just like he's just kind of an empty husk i think you can kind of make you can make rami malik whatever you want to make him you can mold him into whatever so he's no oscar isaac i think is my point yeah where well I, yeah i'm not gonna well yeah i'm not gonna spoil this like i'm not going to say much more than i've already said i'm i'm very excited for you to see this so we could talk about it but i'll be interested i'm interested to see like the reviews for the movie have so far been super positive yeah and i think this is also a great movie like is if if i'm going to talk about it through the lens of what's the best film i'd say this is still number two you know and there there's probably a debate to have between this and skyfall on what be that two slot but i think this one is just so much better and and then the fact that it has all that bond stuff in there just makes it even even more fun like there's oh man there, there's so many moments in this where i'm like oh yeah they did the thing oh they did the thing this is a movie that is i wonder for people who are not big bond fans and don't really care or appreciate the classic bond formula how they feel about this versus those who do because i think anybody can enjoy it but I think like because of my love for the old stuff or like the franchise as a whole, it just made me love it that much more. 
and yeah, I was I was super happy. I'm going to see this movie again in theaters. Like, there's no question in my mind I'm going to see this again because I just I loved it. I just really really loved this movie. But I also look. I also liked Spectre. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was. Is it yeah, good? Spectre was fine. I didn't dislike. It, yeah, Spectre. it's fine. Spectre was fine. Yeah, yeah. Just Quantum fun. of Solace. That's the movie I hate. That movie sucks. <laughs> and I have. I don't have much. Um, I don't have much beef with Quantum. I understand that was also written during the writer strike. Uh, yeah, so no, they I mean, really still, got screwed up. The, movie, but the movie's really bad. And it's, it's a, long. It's just bad. It's actually not. I don't think it's that long, actually. But they, it's, it's a direct it's an hour too long. <laughs> it's a direct sequel to um, to Casino Royale, which is odd. They've never really done that. And like to the point where it literally starts when the credit when the end. it literally starts at the ending. Like what with him driving the car and overlaps the ending of um, of Casino Royale. But the opening shot is great. The opening car chase is cool. And uh, and it's actually shot really well. It's it's a pretty movie, Quantum of Solace. They have some cool Sucks. stuff. It's not all bad. It's not irredeemable. How dare you? It um, is irredeemable. You can't go back and make it better. So unless they want to release another version and take out an hour of it and put an hour of better content in, then yeah, it's, it's irredeemable. It's done. Okay, fair enough. Agree, <laughs> agree to disagree. Someone actually, like I put myself out there on Twitter now and uh, that because of with the game coming out, and doing this podcast so now like there's these fans of the game and they and somebody actually tagged me in a tweet and they were like hey this guy wrote a lot of bad said a lot of bad stuff it's a negative review what do you think and i was like i don't know every opinion is valid agree to disagree it's fine <laughs> like it's cool you want to disagree. <laughs> well, now that you're you, becoming a you, public face you know you don't want to like the game you don't like the game it's fine i'm not offended <laughs> it's like, it's yeah well right. now that you're becoming a public face now you gotta be careful what you say that's why i that's why i messaged you that thing before instead of saying it out loud <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, now I get it. Now you're going to watch what you say. To an extent. Look forward we'll to the uh to the to the non-cancelable Jason. Yeah, oh my god. They can find content. They'll be able to find it. <laughs> Anybody can find anything. You want to be offended by it, go for it. I don't care. I mean, the fact that we've talked about cannibalism on here is alone. I mean, more than once. But that's not yeah, more no than once. once. Yeah, but we never spoke about it. The, I mean, there's no Positively. text. There's no text to people. It, we're not it's we're not in the same boat as uh, Army Hammer. Right. Like, at least I don't. I don't have a paper trail of talking to people about it. Like with intent, we were only talking about with intent people to eat. doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We never actually did that. Anyway, no time to die. You got to see it. The movie's great. See it in a movie theater because it's just it's delightful. I was so happy. So many times in the movie, I'm just like smiling there like a like a like a giddy child. I, I really, really loved this movie. Cool. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. And I'm hoping what I'm hoping is that it's not one of these Dark Knight Rises situations. And I'm just like, you know, being so far out of the game and it's like the first Bond and I'm just happy to see a Bond movie in a theater. And that's just clouding my judgment. But I'm but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure this movie is something special. So I'll be, I'll be excited thing. to I mean, hear your thoughts. Should we start classifying movies that are great by the ability for a second watch? Should that be in the category of what makes a great movie? Depends on the movie. Um, I'm trying to think of a movie that's like, there's plenty of movies that you're like, that's great. I never want to see it again. <laughs> yeah. There's, but again, would, would that be, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. Is it a great movie? Like ex machina. Right? I'll, I won't watch that movie again. I don't think so. Yeah. And it's, it's a good movie. I wouldn't call it great though. 
So like, I'm trying yeah. to like like for me, right? Like Baby Driver, great movie. Great movie. I've yeah. watched that movie multiple times. It's great. The soundtrack mm. is great. All of it is awesome. That's an excellent, excellent movie. Attack yep. the Block, great movie. Yep. N- again, like I'm trying to think of movies that I've seen multiple times. I'd, I would deem great. The There's Legend of Bagger Vance. Good movies. Seen it multiple times. <laughs> There's plenty of good movies that I've only watched once, and I've been like, you know what? Once is fine. Like yep. Pacific Rim, good movies. Never want to see them again. Once is enough. Mm. Kong yeah, Skull think- Island, great movie. Seen that multiple times too. It's great. This is where you get into the whole discussion of, you know, these kind of bougie art pieces where it's like, like the artist, who the hell has seen the artist more than once? Assholes. That's who. Yeah. (laughs) Or the pianist or Roma or all those movies that are great. Yeah. Like any movie that's ever won an Academy Award. (laughs) That's not Lord of the Rings or the Dark Knight. (laughs) Like those are the movies that that people always seem to give awards to. Be like, oh my god, the craftsmanship is so good. The acting, the emotions, yeah. the way that they conveyed on screen. They they emoted. They they were crying. It was all. It made you feel things. And y- yeah, those feelings were shitty, but man, did it make you feel them. And those are the movies that you're not seeing again. Because if you're saying, what are the movies that you watch again that are gr- then those are the ones that are great? Then you're then it's really only the fun ones, right? The fun I movies. Guess. I mean, there's. I mean, I guess that's a sad movie. Do you have a Do you have a movie that you watch that makes you sad and you just because you just wanna you just want a good cry? Do you have one of those? Well, it's like uh, what is it? The uh, I mean, I, I talk about this movie all the time. Southpaw. I never want to watch that movie again. Yeah, right. Because it made you cry in the first five minutes. Right. <laughs> maybe yeah, cry in the first first ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. So maybe I can't put that in. I, I'm, I was asking if that this needs to be qualification of rewatchability. Because I'm not saying um, it's all, but maybe it doesn't not... need to be. Because you're right, it is mostly the movies. I, I've watched plenty of suspense movies again, but like, there's plenty of horror movies or really sad movies. Like, um, what's the movie? Is it Lion, the Dev Patel oh, yeah. movie when he's yeah, a, yeah. when he's an orphan in India? Yep, great, great movie. Never want to see that movie again. That's another movie where you're at the end and you're just like, man, I feel like. I feel like just just going going somewhere alone. Yeah. Having a good cry. And you yeah. know what? I don't like feeling that way. So I don't want to watch that again. I'm good. Because it's not just like all the examples we brought up here are like movies that are like the action movies, the fun ones, those kind of things. But I have like there's dramas and things that I like. Like one of my favorite movies of all time, Quiz Show. Love that movie. It's like one of my favorites. Easily. Easily top five movies. It's if not one, two or three. Um I watch that movie a lot. It's not a. It's not a comedy. It's not. There's no action but, in it. But I it's guess that's the question, right? Like great, Parasite. Great I'd watch movie. Parasite again. Mm-hmm. And that's. A, but again, like, I think that's what makes good movie to me is that there's a bit of fun in it. If it's all awful from the beginning, yeah, I can't true. watch it again. But if there's a bit of fun in it, and Parasite gets dark at the end, Jojo Rabbit gets dark at the at the end. I'd watch Jojo Rabbit again. Oh yeah, I've watched it. I've watched it a couple times. It's yeah, so like, I don't know. Like that's why it's tough. I, I I'd almost want to say that if you can watch a movie multiple times, it helps with its ability to be the greatest movie of all time. If you absolutely can't ever watch it again, I don't think you can put it in that class of greatest movie of all time. I just don't think you can. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. If you can't, if you can't watch it again, sure, absolutely. Even even if it makes you sad, right? There's plenty of movies on this on the list of you know 
really great movies that make you sad. But if it makes you so devastated that you can't watch it again, then to me that doesn't necessarily make it. A, it doesn't make it a great movie. It makes it a good movie. It doesn't make it a great. Saving Private Ryan. Can you watch it again? Oh yeah, I'd watch that again. Like, like for example, like Apocalypse Now, great movie. Could totally watch it again. That movie is horrific from start to finish. <laughs> it yeah. is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an awful movie. It makes you feel awful. But I, I've watched that movie multiple times. Like some of the classics, I've watched multiple times. I've watched Schindler's List multiple times. That's a rough movie. But I've watched it multiple times. So yeah, I, I think, I think some of the best pictures you should be able to go back and visit. Now, do I want to watch Schindler's List anytime soon? No, but I have watched that movie more than once. All right. And I, I guess real quick as we end, video games, same criteria or no? Because you don't ever play video games twice. Um, well, that's why my favorite game of all time is one that I've played probably about 10 times through. <laughs> so that would go. be the original Deus Ex. Still my favorite game of all time. Replayability I, needs to factor into being able to I'd, I'd experience agree. again. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree because I, you know, I think when I was playing Psychonauts 2, I was saying like this might be one of the best game experiences I've ever had. And the question is, will I play it again? I don't know. Backlog's really big. But yeah. yeah, like Deus Ex is a game. I always say when I think about like my favorite games of all time, it goes down to Deus Ex always number one. I don't know if that will ever be topped. Um, Eternal Darkness is usually followed follows that. I played that game like five times. That game is amazing. It's incredible. And then after that, I don't know. Like Super Mario World is probably up there. I've played that game over who knows how many times. Like it's crazy how much. Like I, it, it that game is incredible. Right. That would probably be like number three in there. So in that order, and I've played Ocarina of Time multiple times. Um, there's, there's a few games that I play. Usually if it comes, it has to be re-released and put front and center for me to consider remember to play it again. Yeah. Yeah. Like I recently replayed, oddly enough, I played through bullet storm, which is an awesome first person shooter that was underappreciated in like the 360 era. They released it on switch. I replayed it and it was awesome. Still great. Um, I I replayed when they re-released Xenoblade Chronicles that on switch i replayed through that that thing is amazing it's an amazing rpg um so yeah there there is a testament because it's not just a matter of to that for games it's interesting because it's not just considering whether a game is worth playing again but whether or not it's worth releasing again Hmm. throughout all the different constant generations and whether it's worthy of being released again in um in modern time because especially before backwards compatibility well i mean it was interesting because backwards compatibility used to be a no-brainer then it went away now it's back again in a way so it's like is it worth remastering these games to bring them back it's an interesting conversation to have because that would define greatness or at least popularity right like games like deadly premonition on the 360 like that game was rated horrendously but had a cult status so they brought it back and put it on all these other consoles and that game is bananas definitely a game that's worth playing everybody should play it um but is it a (laughs) by every technical definition of the word that is not a great game but when you play it you're like damn there's something there's just something about this i don't know what but there is something about this game that has to be experienced yeah um so yeah i don't i don't really i i think that is 
I, I would say I would accept that as a criteria. And I think that if it also depends on what are you measuring greatness as? Are you measuring greatness for the quality of the art or are you measuring it as the quality of entertainment? That's and I'm going to say thing. personal greatness, right? Because obviously it's all subjective. But I think if yep. you to tell me what your greatest of movies or video game list of all time is, if it's a game that you're not able to replay or able to experience again, it can't be on your list. Yeah. So I think you need multiple dips into the same content. So if someone tells me my favorite movie of all time is this and you've only seen it once, I'm going to say that can't be your one of your favorite movies of all time. It doesn't count. You need to be able to re-experience it and still feel something. Because there's plenty of movies that I thought were really great. I watched it again and go, oh, this wasn't as great as I remember it to be. Mm-hmm. It's not as well put together. Or even games. Like, huh, I went back and played it again and it didn't really hold up the test of time. Like, huh, it wasn't as fun the second time I played it. Or it didn't give me any emotion. Just kind of felt like that first time was so magical. And again, those first experiences are something that's worth, it, you can't discount that. But to call it a favorite, you got to be able to go back to the well and go, oh, I remember why this was so awesome. I remember these emotions. I remember why this was so cool and why I want to experience it again. So to me, if you ever give me a top five, top ten list of something and you've not experienced it more than once, can't do it. Not possible. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Actually, I was going to it's interesting because I was going to talk about um, the game I just started playing was Lost Judgment. And I'll talk about that more next week when I actually played more of it because I love it. But it's basically another Yakuza game. And that's a good example of a game that I love all of those games. And they're all kind of the same. But I did replay. They've they've remade entirely the first and second games as Yakuza Kiwami and then Yakuza 2 Kiwami. And it took me a while where I was like, man, do I want to play through two? And it was actually over at some point during the pandemic where I was just like, yeah, yeah, I want to replay. I I I played through both of them. <laughs> and I'm like, these games are great. They're so good. And playing through any of these games, all I think about is I want to go back to Japan. Place is great. <laughs> well, we're we're headed towards things opening back up. So uh Mike, your wish might come sooner than you think. Yeah, honestly, that might be that might be the move. I I I'm just waiting. Once things open up to the point where I don't need a quarantine for two weeks before actually getting out and doing things back in you're getting back um, in i am jumping on a plane and i'm going to take like three weeks off and i'm going to give one week notice that it's going to happen <laughs> like i'm out like where'd jason go don't worry about it it's gone <laughs> be, be back gone. in three weeks <laughs> i got data you call me if you need me well let's end it there shall we um he's abroad.com you see all the links subscribe we have been getting more listeners. That's kind of cool. Yeah, welcome, new people. Hopefully, uh, yeah, you should send in your thoughts and comments. We will read them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, review us on iTunes. That helps. And uh, yeah, you can leave comments on the website. You can tweet at us, I think. I should do something with that Twitter account. You know what? Yeah, we'll now, that that you're, now that you're uh, a famous multi-podcaster, you should, uh, you should start linking some stuff together. Yeah. I feel like it's just an echo chamber of like me and six people. That's, I mean, that's all right. Echo they address me. Grow. I mean, they, they literally say on Twitter, they don't do at my Twitter handle. They say, Jason. And I'm like, oh shit, this isn't good. <laughs> they know you. They know you. Do, do you want to give out I your mean, Twitter they, handle? They tag. Yeah. It's Jays of doom. That's your <laughs> Twitter a, handle. It's a pun. 
<laughs> wow, I didn't know that was your Twitter handle. Yeah, man. That's how do, how do you handle. spell it? How do you spell J's of? Oh, sorry, I spelled Doom wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you there found you go. me. I got you. You got sixty nine followers. Now I do. That means you just followed me. I haven't followed you. You're sixty nine followers. I've not followed well, then, you. Then don't follow me. We're just going to leave that as. I'm going to leave it alone. There you go. Nice sixty nine. You love to see it. Yeah, man. Larry Major Nelson himself tweeting about my game. That's cool. He's a big uh, Xbox guy. Yeah, wouldn't be able to pick him out in a, in a crowded theater. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, if you work for Disney, just, you know, ignore Oh, look at this. this. You got a little video of your podcast. Look at this. Look at your little backyard. Hmm? Yeah, look at your little screen. Your little screen in the background. That's look not a screen. You. That's a wall. That's Whose wall? Is, is that your wall? No, that's in the at office. Home. Okay, that's in the your wall at home. I was about no, to no, say no, no. That's wow. that's the office. That's like that's like the one room I like being in in the office, because it's got that big green centipede wall. Otherwise, can I join like, the? Can I join the podcast? Can I make a special appearance to talk about my? I don't know anything about Atari games. So, like how how you how you get into the special thanks in the yeah, uh, in a video talk game about, credits. Uh, we can, you, talk, we can you, talk about we can talk about creative production. I can come, we can come up with something more official. You could just you could just tell them the truth. You pay millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, if you want to be special, thanks to these games, you got to pay <laughs> millions and millions of dollars. It's pay a lot million of dollars, and then you sh- and then you get there. Oh, look! Someone literally just followed me. A guy named James Prophet. That's that's why. That's why I'm uh, JP James Prophet. That's a, that's a yeah. strong last name, Mr. Profit. If you're not making money with your name as Mr. Profit, then you failed in well, life. Well, there is that guy who did the who did the slap chop ads. He was Vince Profit. That guy. Yeah. Why do I know that off the top of my head? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Vince. Profit. I just his name was Vince, but I didn't know his Vince, last name was Profit. Yeah, Vince Profit with two F's and two T's. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's extra profit. Oh, wait, no, sorry. This is somebody else. Maybe the guy wasn't Vince. Uh, Vince Slapchop. No, I thought his name was Vince Oh, Vince Papali. Offer. Vince Offer. Oh, it was Offer. Yeah. Close enough. It was something like that. No, yeah, Vince yeah. Papali is the guy that, uh, his... that played football for the Eagles in that movie, the Mark Wahlberg movie. Oh. Right? He's got, Wasn't uh... that Invincible? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. That was his name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vince Offer looks like a terrifying guy. This is not the guy you want to be outside your window. <laughs> no, Vince and, and uh, the night. He, he was Whoa. in some hot water when I mean him and Billy Mays were living were living some real interesting lives, that's for sure. Oh, um I, I yeah. can tell you what, I just got a good one for the Paul Giamatti game next week. Uh that's gonna be a good one. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, let's wait wrap a it up then. Wait a wait a minute. Hang on a second. In absorbing the towel, the slap chop, a lint roller called the sticky. I remember that one. A liquid, <laughs> the sticky. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. a liquid a liquid cleaner called invincible. You get it? And another yep. kitchen utensil called crank chop. I'm not going to Google that. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I don't want to know what crank chop is. I'm going to forget that those two words ever um, came I'm, out of my mouth I'm, in those I'm orders. Google it. I'm going to Google it and I'm going to watch the video. This is recent too, 2016. Oh, okay. Let oh, the crank chop. All right. So there's a red, there's a red container, a red top. It's like a slap chop. It's like the same thing as a slap chop, only, oh, only you pull it like a, like a, um, like a lawnmower cord. Oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's like the slap chop, but instead of pushing down on it, you, you crank it. It's like trying oh to start God. a lawnmower. 
Vince always looks like he's up to no good. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like he really <laughs> he, just, he just it's it's the face. He's always oh, got this his face is, as always. This is amazing. Wow. That was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> what am I watching here? This is nuts. <laughs> the crank chop is like magic. It's the it's the slap chop only with a with a lawnmower cord. <laughs> It's a manual food processor, and now he's like yes. pulling out this food. Now he just threw the food processor out the window. I was waiting for you to get to that. I didn't want to spoil <laughs> that for you. I was waiting for you to get to oh that. He God. literally wow. threw it out the window. <laughs> did, did not see that coming. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you for this 3D representation of how the crank shop works. I had no idea by what you were doing. Oh, my God. Someone got paid to do that. Wow. Oh, man. Well, this thing is a real thing, too. There's a guy now. I'm watching this video, this 713,000 views video of a guy actually using the trying to use it. And it looks. Oh, wow. That does not look like pasta sauce. That looks horrific. All right. But I got to look into. up. Um, there's a guy who does. um who does like all these reviews of the like as seen on TV stuff? Um, I'm gonna have to look that up and see. Is how. it this guy freaking reviews? Maybe it's this guy. He's like yeah, some bald him. guy. In, yeah, uh, that's a, in yeah, that's, that's, a, that's the video I clicked on. Yeah, yeah, this guy. He's testing it. It's called yeah, freaking okay. reviews. Yeah, he's the yeah. one who's, who's testing the the crank chop. Okay. Yeah, this guy. He's great. He does really great videos. Um, yeah, this is the guy. And he he puts it all to the test because he does everything that they show in the commercials. And that's how he does the test. And then he tests other things on his own. And it's interesting. He's a big fan of the graphite pan. Oh, is he? Okay. The, uh, yeah. So, or not the graphite pan, whatever the stone pan is. Anyway, he came pretty close to making me recommend it. So anyway, I'm not listening to this. I'm going to end this podcast. This thing is over. <laughs>